Hello, everyone, and thank you for the download. It's Wednesday, September 14th, and this is episode 52 of the Marty Called Podcast. I'm Tim Grassy, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Skipper Ben. How's it going, Ben? Thank God I finally got Josh off this show. You introduced me first. Is he not here? Is he just... Is, did we kick him off? Is he gone? What's going on? What's going on? I'm usually the second. Uh, no, we're, we're going to do with you. We're going to go with you first. Uh, the Sultan of Saki is busy visiting all the new meet and greets coming to the parks. Uh, ah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is not going to be on this show. Uh, everything is fine, despite presumably what we're going to do for a uh, clickbaity uh, show title. But no, Josh is moving and uh, doing a podcast while he is moving. I believe he's packed up all of his uh, all of his shit is just not going to happen, but we wanted to get a D23 Expo show out, and because this is going to be primarily a trip report, and we know that those are monologues by me uh, that usually go on for three hours, Josh is like, F that, I don't want to do it. Um, I believe those were his exact words, so I don't know, Ben, can you read the transcript? This does kind of suck, because if there was anybody that was going to be overly thrilled about beat and greets between the three of us, it was <laughs> it's obviously Josh, so yeah, 100%, it kind of sucks that we're not going to get his uh, opinions <laughs> on these things, but we'll... We'll make do, and I'm sure if uh, he needs to chime in on the next show about his D23 uh, opinions, uh, we'll, we'll allow him to do that. Uh, so what's interesting – well, there's plenty of interesting things to talk about because I was in Disneyland for a couple of days ahead of it plus the D23 Expo. I'm sure all of our listeners are aware of the news or the lack of news that came out of the D23 Expo, but the uh, the park's presentation did exactly the type of thing that Josh complains about which is present that information that is so speculative that we just kind of don't really anticipate it happening. But we will get into that later. We're going to start with uh, Disney. You know what? Just because it's me and this is how I do trip reports, uh, I didn't start on Viama or Kayak or anything like that. Kayak, come on. You had no, 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 I, di- I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Uh, uh. All right, so uh, I think we're we're back. We're back now. Um, Kill me. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I was there uh, Wednesday to Monday. Um, <laughs> I realized when I got there, I brought one pair of shorts. So bang up job, Tim. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at. It, I texted. It wasn't. Marie. It wasn't. It wasn't hot or anything out there. Luckily. No, it was only like 97 with 100 percent humidity. It was Florida weather in July, except it was California yeah. in September. It was. Yeah. Uh, I, I was there during the rainy season, but that is like California getting a hurricane. Um, it was like drizzling, and that was about it. But <laughs> did you uh, dip your shorts in the Splash Mountain water, like the guy who washes his feet, or well, how did you take care of this while you were there? I mean, you don't need to dip it in the Splash Mountain water. For any of our listeners that have been on that Splash Mountain, you get wet on that. It's like going on a rapid ride. Ah, so I I just went on Splash Mountain, and my shorts got soaked. Um, <laughs> And then that same day, I decided to do Grizzly River Run. I hadn't done that in several years as well. I mean, anything over there I hadn't done in several years. My last trip out there was 2019. But yeah, one pair of shorts. Bang up job, Tim. Um, <laughs> I, I think I texted one Maria, pair of like, short. What, what, one pair of shorts and like 12 Red Sox t-shirts. No Red sense. Sox t-shirts. No Patriots t-shirts either. It was all Disney stuff. All, I believe, Epcot with the exception of maybe one shirt. But yeah, it was... Uh, uh, when, when I'm going to the parks, I generally wear the parks t-shirts because I b- bought so many damn many of them and I just don't wear them normally. So I figured, all right, I got to wear them when I'm on vacation. But uh, yeah, I texted Marie on Friday. I was like, yeah, I definitely need to clean these. And I didn't. So 
Sorry to uh, <laughs> people on my flight uh, home, but I did have most of the day Wednesday, all day Thursday, and then uh, Saturday and Sunday nights in the parks. I didn't go in the park on Friday. So again, before we get into the D23 Expo, I just want to talk about Disneyland because there was some new to me stuff. And just in general, it had been three years since I've been over there. Uh, how, how, we, was the, uh, di- how was the Disneyland Forever expansion? Uh, it was great. <laughs> I did not. Actually, no, I, that's a lie. I did go to Downtown Disney. I went into their World of Disney store. But <laughs> yeah, I think they're they're starting that with all of the uh, the new restaurants that they announced for um, <laughs> uh, for, for Downtown Disney. <laughs> oh, God. I, I saw the portos next to Wakanda uh, in that art. Yeah, so yeah. It's weird I, theming. But, you know, Wakanda, they they said that they wanted to bring a Starbucks, right? Wasn't that what they said in uh, Infinity War? There's no doubt there's a Starbucks in Wakanda. So oh, yeah, 100%. Fits. It they probably fits. have a Portos, too. Exactly. <laughs> Get a croissant with vibranium on the inside. That'll mess up <laughs> your teeth. So uh, a couple of things. There was a lot of maintenance issues. We complain about it in Florida, and we think that Disneyland is um, exempt from that, but definitely not. Uh, the final scene, like the, the coolest scene in Indiana Jones, just wasn't working. Uh, there was a couple of animatronics not working in Pirates. The walking playing cards that are in the Alice in Wonderland uh, attraction, those weren't working. Uh, Much like Florida, the cannons weren't working on Rise of the Resistance. And um, (laughs) uh, with acknowledgement to that, let's uh, let's call him an informed listener, uh, came up to me at the expo talking about that. Uh, And he, he told me that the cannons are an easier fix than the Yeti, but it's a matter of if they can get some of that individual lightning lane budget to to fix it. And he also said, uh, we had a discussion several episodes ago about how to perhaps improve the throughput on Rise of the Resistance. And he said, yeah, we were kind of right, but not really. Uh, <laughs> he, he basically said that there really isn't ways to add more dispatches. But one thing that they have considered was extending the seatbelts a few inches on Rise of the Resistance to allow for easier use. He said that, like, people take too long to buckle their seatbelt. And, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense. Like, if you extend the seatbelt up a few inches, and there are definitely rides that do that, it just makes it a little bit easier. So that might be something in the future. You heard it here first. Well, why don't they just not worry about the seatbelt at all? If you get it buckled, great. If you don't, well, then only the strong survive. I mean, just kick them out that way. I mean, that'll, that'll work, too. That'll work, too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, we actually just got a text from Josh saying he's going to jump in. But I don't really feel like starting and stopping the show. So <laughs> that would be that'd be more of a pain in the ass, to be he's honest He's alive, with you. ladies and gentlemen. He, he he's is alive. alive. It's, it's miraculous. Uh, like Christ, he has risen. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, the – sorry, I, I lost my train of thought. Um <laughs> It, well, the other thing I noticed, and you may have experienced this on your trips out there, Ben, that they're really quick to put a ride down for like 101. And I'm sure that there's justifiable reasons for it, but I don't know if like they have more 101 animatronics or the rides just break down more. But it seems that whenever I'm out there, stuff is breaking down more than it does in Florida. I don't know if, you, if that's been your experience. Uh. <laughs> Not that I, not off the top of my head that that, okay. that it, I mean it does seem like things will go down, but they seem to come up pretty quick. Uh, whenever we're there, it's it's not ever been in any instances where something's been down for uh, an extended period of time or a whole day where we ended up missing it. Uh, there, yeah, that is definitely a deal. There are key moments, key scenes, key audio animatronics that if they do go down, it's an automatic shutdown of the ride. Right, right. Uh, so. You know, maybe because they're closer to the offices and maybe more executives that are out there and stuff, they're a bit more quicker to make sure they're doing things more by the book than Florida. Maybe, yeah. But uh, 
yeah, it's not something that I've had in, in my uh, experience while we were there of, of seeing a lot of stuff down to where where we you know missed it at all. So uh, I had a couple things. <laughs> Indiana Jones, and this is a, just a general complaint that they have here. They don't prioritize Lightning Lane, and they didn't prioritize Fast Pass uh, to the extent that they should in California relative to Florida. So many rides are going to have twenty to thirty minute waits for Lightning Lane especially in the evening where it just kind of cascades. But Indiana Jones is a perfect example of this because the way that that's set up, and I'm sure our listeners are aware of this, that that's set up uh, outside of the uh, the berm of the park and there's a really long extended queue for it. And the merge point is ahead of that really long extended queue. So it's an mm-hmm. incredibly themed indoor queue. They stage people outside. But the reality is if you've got like a 45-minute wait for Indiana Jones – you're probably only going to be, you know, 15 to 20 minutes to that merge point, worst case mm-hmm. scenario. And then they're going to send you inside and that's where you're going to have the rest of your wait. So a better use of your lightning lane time is to wait standby for a ride like that and maybe use it at Space Mountain or something else that you can get on a little bit quicker. But Indiana Jones is definitely a culprit of that. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, mission breakout was absolutely a culprit here. And this was just, I think, I, I kept on riding Monsters After Dark. That was the timing. And that line just got backed up deep into Avengers Campus. Uh, hmm. So each time, waiting Lightning Lane for both of those rides, it was 20 to 30 minutes. Hmm. And I was thinking with Indiana Jones that I would just hop in the standby line. And I did that once. Or the first time I did that, the ride broke down. So I ended up waiting the full standby time anyway. And then the second time, I waited 30 minutes and didn't actually get on it because after 30 minutes, I was still like fifth from the back of the line uh, because it broke down again. So <laughs> just just don't do what I do. That's probably the best best advice Good, I can I, give anybody in life. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do think Disney World does a better job of prioritizing those guests. But perhaps it's also uh, – the, the counter argument to that is that perhaps they're catering to the locals who aren't buying Genie Plus and they're keeping those standby lines happy as well. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the, the likelier scenario. But uh, I had, on my last day there, I had an individual lightning lane for Rise of the Resistance. And I didn't check the uh, the app before walking over there. I get there and it's closed. And they were able to give me the refund right at the attraction itself. I wasn't going to wait around for it to come back up. It was later at night. I had an early flight and didn't want to wait. So it was nice that they were able to give me that right at the attraction itself. But uh, the problem is I should have waited because... When I went over to California Adventure, uh, I could have gone to Guest Relations to get my refund, and I would have been right behind Vincent D'Onofrio. So uh, he's he's one of my people because he's waiting at Guest Relations. So so you did Genie Plus while you're out there. Yeah, you did individual Lightning Lane. Or you bought it even though you got the refund, but you did you did commit to buying it. Yep. Uh, you ate in like a lot of the restaurants. You did you did I don't know how many Monte Cristos you ended up having. Uh, you you're like. Bob Chapek's favorite guest, right? I don't think like, so. Did, I, don't, he, I think did he gave you a still, shoulder rub while you were there. Like, I think see, I'm like, still part of the unfavorable attendance mix. To I be don't honest know. With you. Yeah, you had to buy tickets, right? You had to buy park tickets and admission. I bought park tickets. I bought Genie Plus, and I did buy an individual Lightning Lane for Rise every day. And you bought Expo tickets, and I bought, I bought the premium Expo tickets. So, like Dude, in that respect, he, I'm he definitely, I'm definitely like not in the unfavorable attendance mix. But again, he, I didn't stay on site. So that's one thing. Uh, that's that's one strike out of all of them. And come but on. that's like that's you know what four fifty a night. 
I mean, yeah. minimum. Uh, out there, it may even be more. Um, I didn't buy any merchandise for myself. I uh, <laughs> There was like a mini mart in my motel. And that's where I got a T-shirt. Don't tell my daughter. I got her a T-shirt <laughs> and a, uh, a notebook with Minnie on it. When I say Minnie Mart, it, 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 was, it was actually Mickey and Friends. So I guess I could, you know, play off the Disney character. But <laughs> I did. I, 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 I bought ear hats. I, that was the merchandise that I bought uh, yeah. that was Disney merchandise. Those things are expensive. Yeah. I think it was 70 bucks for two stitched ear hats. But I, I, think, I think you need to walk around in a T-shirt from now on that says I'm part of the problem. Yeah, you you are you. They keep adding up charges because they're like this grassy guy will pay yeah, for I'll, it. I'll, you are, I'll do it, man. <laughs> so uh, it's funny you say that, Jim Hill. Uh, well, the, well. <laughs> I saw a couple. Did of you people, see? Did you see Jim Hill while you were? There? I did not see Jim. I Damn almost it. always. I, I think I've seen him every time that I've been out there for the expo. I missed him this time. He, um, not, he didn't do a panel or anything. I, uh, he how he I, has hosted how I, them in the past. Yeah, like how I sneak into rooms and find blueprints and models uh, panel or... No, nothing like that. Nothing like that. But I I didn't see him, but there was some good cosplayers, good amusing t-shirts. I was told I was worthy by Fat Thor at the expo. That was nice. (laughs) It's half like Big Lebowski, half Fat Thor. Like, it's not that different (laughs) a costume. But uh, I saw several people, and I'm sure it was like an Etsy purchase, wearing t-shirts that had like the old school ticket logo and it said unfavorable attendance mix on it. So people are definitely <laughs> keying in on some of the bullshit phrases that Bob Chapek has said. No. So um, speaking of him, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Dusty Sage over at Mice Chat was approached, I think on Sunday night for like a private dinner with Bob Chapek. So I'm interested to hear what comes of that because a lot of positive stories on their website and podcasts. Probably you're probably right, but <laughs> when I when I talked to Dusty on the Friday of the expo, he was he he was not thrilled uh, because of the asks that Disney has had related to it. So like anybody that they wanted as a guest, and historically that's been Bob Gerd, that's been other you know Disney legends. They had they said the guest has to be masked. Uh, or, sorry, the the legend has to be masked. The guest has to be masked. The guest is not allowed within six feet of the legend. If they want anything signed, it has to be handed to a Disney cast member, which they had to pay an hourly rate to, uh, and then handed to the legend. It was all sorts of weird asks, and it was basically hmm. like a means of saying you're not allowed to have anybody. Um, wow. So we're going to put in all these hurdles. So I don't know what he paid for the booth, but I can't imagine it was cheap. I'm sure it was five figures. So. Huh. Uh, he could like he could promote a book and he could collect email addresses. That was about the extent. He couldn't sell anything either. Wow. So he he wasn't too thrilled. And I don't know how last minute that stuff came down. But yeah, the the dinner with Bob would be interesting, especially. I don't know. I'd have somebody taste test the food, especially if I've gone out with any negative stuff about the company. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Couple years. <laughs> I don't so. know that I'd be uh, I'd be yeah. the first one willing to uh, to try that. Maybe <laughs> try the, maybe I have a sandwich beforehand. <laughs> have this corn dog. It's great. <laughs> Oh, oh god but i hopefully some interesting stories come of that but i <laughs> i don't know that, he, he just seems too, too freaking corporate to really get anything even remotely unguarded from him but anyway yeah that that's we'll get into this a little bit but you know the the bob presentation on friday uh and, and anytime bob has spoken over the last couple years Say like Mandalorian. Ex- <laughs> Bob has spoken. <laughs> Bob has spoken. Uh, yes. This is the way. 
<laughs> that, that's who's IP, in the suit. IP, this is the way. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just way too much, too much corporate talk, too much corporate oh, yeah, speak. 100%. To whereas... But not even Josh, like seasoned corporate speak. It's no, like no. Yeah, tough shit. Well, it, this is what we're doing. And, and that's that's the that's the part that's been the toughest, I think. And we've kind of talked about that over the last, you know, couple of years of doing the show. Uh when it comes to Bob, you know, Josh's presentation on su- Sunday, it was a lot of sizzle and no steak at all. Yeah, exactly. But, he he at least knows way, how to present it. The way he presents it in a way is just so much he it's like he's cuddling you. <laughs> a lot more so, than Bob. Like it, it, Josh giving some of this talk over the years of upcharges and things like that. If it was coming from him, I think he would deliver it in a way that would be less offensive, maybe to the Disney community. We might still not like it, but the words would be said in a way that it would be taken easier. Whereas Bob is just so blunt with it, and he doesn't hide the reason at all. And that I. No. To me, that's the, part the quiet that's, part loud and the loud part yeah, quiet. <laughs> and that's the part that's really hard to digest over the years is like, yeah. we, you know, it, it, this weekend to me just screamed of like, Josh needs to be in that spot just because even if the company's going in that direction, he has the personality to be able to deliver it in a way that's not going to piss off 90% of your fan base. We made no secret on this show that we weren't the biggest fans of Bob Iger, but these PR related issues just didn't happen with him he, he had uh his fixer basically Xenia uh, muker and mucker i don't know how to pronounce her name but she was his fixer and made yeah. things like the scarlett johansson situation go away and he knew how to how to say things about a mix of uh guests that weren't spending as much money where he didn't mm-hmm. insult them uh, mm-hmm. he didn't quite call them a basket of deplorables but he also he insulted like their most loyal fans and that's just that's just yeah. dumb yeah. So, like those types of things, don't ingratiate yourself to the community. And, and I don't. And if he doesn't care, then all right. But you're going to lose people. Yeah. And again, we'll we're going to criticize Josh because he. Oh, 100. I'm he calling him a do, dick later on. Yeah, he did not do a great <laughs> job, but he just knows how to speak a hell of a lot better than the guy who currently is delivering uh, the majority of the news to us, and you know, the majority of that news being negative in at least in our eyes uh that it, it just screamed this weekend that it, i know he's got his extension the board put their faith whatever into it but they could have given it, him a longer extension than three years it, that's not yeah, exactly it, a glowing endorsement no no he he just does not seem the long-term solution for this company at all that was but, a let's show like let's make it look like we have some level of stability even though we're not 100 percent behind this guy right. that's what that that's what that said um, yep. i want to say something before we get deep into the josh tomorrow presentation he you're absolutely right ben he is very well received uh and to that point the vibe walking out of there was a lot of people just saying how great it was and i don't think they were the biggest parks fans or at least nowhere near to the same extent that we were. But that was a spectacle that was very entertaining if you weren't emotionally invested in the decisions or the lack of substance. Well, and what you're saying about the audience there, I'm not convinced based on the reactions to some of the dumbest things. Oh, 100%. Half of those people weren't employees and half of the, you know, they. I, I have a gut feeling that a lot of people were on the clock that were Possibly. in that presentation. And- I mean, we saw, or I, I heard people cheering in the room when the target dog was brought out. So, yeah. I mean, there's, like, there's without a doubt was... plants in that audience. <laughs> there are a uh, lot of plants. I sure hope so, because otherwise, I mean, there should be no faith in the Disney community. But anyway, back to Disneyland. So, uh, some highlights. Some How are the corn dogs? 
Corn dogs are great. Uh, I had two corn dogs. You wanted to know my my uh, my dietary habits for this time <laughs> that I was here. That's so, all I'm interested in. Uh, I had two meals at Cafe Airlines. I had a date with a uh, guy Selga. Uh, the day that I arrived, uh, portion size was cut in half, by the way. The price remained the same. I looked up pricing, and in 2017, your Three Cheese Monte Cristo was 20 bucks. In 2022, the Three Cheese Monte Cristo, three cheese Monte Cristo uh, was $22. So not actually a substantial price increase, except they cut the portion size in half. Hey, you and fatty. You remember, you don't need that much of a portion. Come on, fatty, fatty. Well, for, you know what? They, like, Don't get those me wrong. Are not, those aren't my words. That's for, those are direct quotes <laughs> from the CFO of Disney. That's not my words. Uh, but I mean, that portion size was enormous, but that doesn't excuse keeping the price the same. If you want to no. cut that price in half... Or not, maybe not necessarily even cut the price in half, but cut the portion size in half, and you know bring it down to eighteen bucks or something like that. Then that makes some sense, especially on that meal because that was probably the most split meal of uh, anywhere in Disneyland. Uh, I know that Marie and I would get the the French fries, the um, the palm frites, and that, and we would split both of them. And what they effectively did is they took they took the grapes off of the Monte Cristo uh, plate and replaced it with the palm frites and took away the palm frite appetizer. So they were leaning into what everybody went there for. And, uh, I mean, it didn't stop me from going back. I went back the next day with my friend Brad. Wait, you said three cheese. You, you did get the ham and turkey in it, right? No, I went the three cheese one. Oh, my God. What is wrong with you? You didn't That's have a the Monte Cristo one. then. No, 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 no. It is you classified have, as a three cheese Monte Cristo. You have to have the ham and turkey. I don't even know who I'm talking to right I, now. I am the Count of Monte Cristos as, this is as it, self-named in the first episode of this, this show. This is amateur hour here. What is going on? I have had both and I prefer the three cheese Monte oh. Cristo. You probably <laughs> you probably said cut the powdered sugar as well. No, the powdered sugar was there. I got the, uh, the, the jam. I got my fries. But anyway, so... I got Man. my Cafe Orleans fix, but they definitely cut the portions. I asked the waiter on the second day that I was there. I was there Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> I asked him when they cut the portion size. It said COVID. We're going to blame everything on COVID. I was like, all right. <laughs> so he, he was upfront about it. I will tell you, though, uh, more so than any Disney restaurant ever, I've always appreciated my service at Cafe Orleans. They're on top of refills. They're on top of, you know, anything and everything you need. Uh, the second day we were there with, uh, I was there with my friends and their, their toddler and the toddler was having a difficult time and they were very appreciative and understanding of everything. And, you know, we're able to get things quickly and it was, they, they have very good uh, cast members at Cafe Orleans and I'm sure that there have been people that are there for decades. So uh, nothing but praise to, uh, to heap upon those cast members, even if they uh, uh, are, are facilitating the cut in half portion size, but uh, that's that's not them making those decisions. <laughs> I enjoyed Monsters After Dark over at Mission Breakout in California. Monsters Adventure. After Dark. Yeah, Monsters it's like a, After Dark. Monsters it's the metal version dark. of it. They uh, they changed pretty much everything. So they changed the pre-show. They changed the the queue video. And the narrative of the ride itself references the daytime version of the ride. Uh, it's still high octane like the other one, still frantic relative to Tower of Terror. But I absolutely maintain that Mission Breakout and Monsters After Dark are better than the original DCA Tower. I would oh, yeah. be I would be upset if they replaced Hollywood Studios. I, I think that Hollywood Studios is uh, close to a perfect attraction, and Mission Breakout is not a perfect attraction, but it, it is better than the 
uh, trimmed down version of Tower of Terror that was out there. So yeah, it was good to see that. I like that they do those types of things. To to that point, Haunted Mansion Holiday is fantastic. Have you ever seen that, Ben, in person? Oh yeah, multiple times. So I'd never this, seen was, it before. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah, I lo- I love it. It's it's uh, it's as must do as anything out there when it's going. In my opinion, I absolutely love it. There was, I think, two things that I did four times. It was that and Space Mountain. So I, I made a point to do that. And on the expo days, Josh needs to stop texting us. On the expo days, <laughs> the uh, what I did is because I had that preferred uh, pass for the D twenty for the Hall D twenty three presentations. I checked in at Disneyland right around eight o'clock and then went to the expo so that I could book Lightning Lanes. And what I was mindful of were the ones that were further out. So that was Haunted Mansion Holiday and Monsters After Dark. So that's why I was able to do those ones multiple times. Yeah. Um, Haunted Mansion Holiday is another one where your Lightning Lane wait is probably going to be twenty minutes at minimum, no matter what you did. Wow! But that that probably should be the individual lightning lane when that's live. I think that the demand for Rise of the Resistance, there was a couple of days when it was out like an hour, but the demand just wasn't there for Rise of the Resistance, especially at a $20 price point, which is what it is out there. I think they'd probably do better with uh, charging for Haunted Mansion Holiday, and it's a higher capacity ride, so they'd make more money on it. But uh, What's the individual lightning lane at DCA? Uh, it's it's Radiator Springs Racers and the Spider-Man attraction, neither of which I paid for uh, because they both had single rider lines or usually had single rider lines. So Racers, I only got on once just because it was down a couple of times and uh, I just did a single rider for it once. But uh-huh. I think they're both 15, if I'm not mistaken, and they're, they're less than Rise, whatever it is. I would pay for Radiator Springs Racers if I had to, uh, if that was my only option of doing it getting away from big line but what was your opinion of uh web slingers and is that justified for a individual lightning lane if that was your only option um first time yes otherwise no so i i was i was pleasantly surprised by web slingers it's a solid d ticket attraction it's not but i mean i i knew that it wasn't spider-man and islands of adventure it just isn't and that will be the premium spider-man attraction probably in perpetuity. It's just, it's not, it's not that, but uh, some unique things about it. So it's a, it's a 3d screen based shooter. We've seen those before. We've done those before. Your, your smaller parks have variants of this. The thing that I thought was interesting about it was that you could, you don't just have to hit the, uh, the spider bots that go on the screens. You could actually like, pull over a barrel onto those spider bots. So if you if you know what you're doing, you could like web up a barrel and then like use the gesture with your hand to pull that barrel onto some to, to pull it onto like multiple spider bots, which is kind of a cool thing that they built in. And it took some practice. The second time I went on it, I realized that you could do this, so I was less concerned about my score and just kind of playing around in this uh, sandbox type area. I mean that's that's effectively what it is, not a sandbox, but you've heard that from a gamer's perspective. I was treating it like that to see what you could actually do in each of the scenes. But, uh, I mean, it's better than Toy Story Mania for a similar, not quite a shoot 'em game, but an interactive ride. Uh, it's nowhere near as good as, say, Monsters, Inc. Ride and Go Seek in Tokyo. Uh, personal preference, I'd probably prefer something like a Buzz Lightyear just because it has dimensional sets, even though they're flats. Um, I don't know how you feel about, like, say, Toy Story Mania compared to a Buzz Lightyear. 
but for me, I'd rather ride Buzz Lightyear than Toy Story Mania at this point. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. But I, I did it a couple of times. I rated, I waited single rider both times. I wasn't going to pay for it. I was I was planning on paying for it, and then I learned a few days before the trip that they have single rider, so that was uh, an easy decision. I think if uh, they didn't have single rider, I probably would have paid for it once and maybe waited for it a second time. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was worth paying. I think whatever it was, the 15 bucks plus or minus a dollar or two. Yeah. But uh, I mean, a, it's... That, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to speak outside of that, but I didn't know they had single rider either uh, for that one. And it just goes to show, because I've done Disneyland by myself many times. I used to go out to LA uh, with my work, you know, multiple, multiple times a year. And, mm-hmm. you know, by three o'clock in the afternoon, everybody in LA is ready to go home for the day. And uh, when you're out there for work, you usually go find something to do for the night. And I'd head down to Disneyland uh, nearly nightly and, and go to the parks and, it's a both DCA and Disneyland is just such a great park for somebody who's there by themselves. It is. There, there's you can so many bounce around. You can. There's a lot of single rider. There's a lot of short weights. Yeah. That it, it. It's a park that you definitely can get a lot done by yourself. Uh, I always had a blast going through those parks by myself. I mean, so much of why we go to these things though are the social aspects of it. I got to meet up with friends there. Uh, I mentioned Guy Selga, my friend Brad, uh, and his wife Bonnie. So it's great to see them and hang out with them in the parks. And that is a lot of the reasons why we go with friends and family and all of that. But uh, more so than I think Disney World, you have a a playground in Disneyland where you can just kind of bounce around. And I mean, I navigated those parks totally illogically, but it was I was doing what I wanted to do. And I didn't mind that I was, you know taking half an hour between attractions because I was kind of enjoying the ambiance of the parks, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, also wanted some air conditioning when it was 97 with, you know, hundred percent humidity. We got to get you down here in Texas uh, during the summers <laughs> to train before you go. That's yeah, I, I would lo- I'd, yeah. lo- I'd love 97 degrees, man. This was comparable to uh, when, when we went in July last year, it was, it felt like that. Uh, but in California, which you just don't get yeah. normally it's, it's dry, but, I rode, uh, I mentioned it, I rode Splash Mountain in Disneyland for presumably the last time, which, I mean, I don't like Splash Mountain in Disneyland anywhere near as much as I do in Florida, but it's still Splash Mountain. It's still a a great ride. But yeah, uh, the the big takeaways for me, uh, Haunted Mansion Holiday was the the thing that was a very nice surprise. Their budget for black and white ribbon is very high. They use that everywhere. But this this has animatronics in it that are unique to this version of it. They pull out the, um, uh, the gatekeeper at the, uh, uh, at the cemetery. They put massive props in there. They have an Oogie Boogie figure where the hitchhiking ghosts are at the end. It really is just a well-executed overlay. I'm almost certain it's done with an entertainment budget and it's just kind of built year over year over year. When you go into the ballroom scene every year, every year that they do it, they have a different gingerbread house, and yep. the ballroom smells like gingerbread. I'm I'm not a Nightmare Before Christmas fan. Uh, it's it, I'm just indifferent towards it. I'm not really a Tim Burton fan in general, but I really like this. This could be its own thing, and it can go into the holiday world section of my fifth gate that I'm building. <laughs> Did so, they announce that? They didn't, actually, but what they did do is my concept for the Walt statue sitting on the bench in Griffith Park. They're putting, I think, in Hong Kong or Hong Kong or one of the overseas parks. Um, So they ripped me off there. 
Uh, we can talk about my predictions and our, our general uh, predictions for the expo. <laughs> they they did my San Francisco, so boom. We're, yeah, we're, that's that's great. And uh, what they announced a uh, total overhaul for Pacific Wharf and a meet and greet. That was yep. kind of the uh, the theme. And <laughs> I was the only one that predicted a Portos going into uh, downtown Disney. Did you so. actually say that? No, God no. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm ignorant of Portos or California listeners. All three of you will you know probably scream at me, but they made a big deal out about the about this bakery and it. And all right, I was like, it's a bakery. I don't really know or care. Then fast forward to my walk back to my hotel, and a guy comes up to me on the street. Hey, dude, where'd you get the Portos? So it is very real in California that this is a big deal. So I explained to him, uh, yeah, coming soon to downtown Disney, and he laughed. So <laughs> it's funny, like it's it's big for. California people, none of us have ever heard of it. Uh, right. So it'll be it'll be great for those locals that know of it. But if you're gonna do something like that, it seems like you would do something more like a. a it's generic, sure, but you know, do something that everybody in the country thinks of when they go to California, like a maybe a In and Out Burger or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Seems like that would make more sense. But what do I know? You know, those <laughs> those locals who like Portos will like it at Disney Springs, but. It uh, doesn't scream something to, you know, somebody from Texas or somebody from Massachusetts, like, I got to go try that. Whereas, you know, when people come to Texas, they want to go to a Whataburger. Uh, when people <laughs> go to California, they want to find an In-N-Out Burger. Maybe make one a little easier to get to uh, on your own property. Uh, I think that would actually do pretty darn good in a uh, uh, Disney Sprint, whatever. I'm, I'm calling it Downtown Disney, Disney Sprint, yeah, well, whatever Disney. it is. It's, it's Downtown Disney. Uh, <laughs> but putting one of those in that area, it uh, seems like it would be a pretty good hit if they want to go with local – Local California cuisine that uh, that I don't know would maybe draw attention, but I don't know. It just seemed like a really weird time to announce a Portos uh, during the parks presentation. But hey, I mean, it was because they had no substance. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I'm going to give our listeners a peek behind the curtain here because uh, Josh, <laughs> Josh, I, I, Josh is online as we're recording this, and I just said Josh is online, but we can't, but can't record. What a jerk! And he says, "I don't have my mic. I have a headset, though. I'll drop in if that's okay." And then Ben chimes in with, keep texting Tim. It's throwing him off during his rambling trip report. So. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I am rambling. But. <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm done talking uh, talking Disneyland unless you have specific you, questions. You didn't get to the part about losing your keys. I didn't. So I, I left keys at home. So this, <laughs> is, this is what I do to plan for it. I did almost lock myself out of my room, though. So... My room uses, uh, they had like, uh, they did have like the old plastic keys, but you could use your phone to unlock it. I left my phone in my room, but I had my iPad. So I downloaded the app uh, on my iPad and used my iPad to unlock my room to get my phone. So, <laughs> and I didn't bring the plastic key. But anyway. <laughs> was this uh, was this your first time doing it in Credit Coaster? No, I had done that uh-huh. in 2019. I think I had done that. Yeah, I definitely did that in 2019. Again, this kind of gets into the I'm getting too old for the shit category. Uh, I love roller coasters, but at the same time, like, I think I did that on a day, on a Monte Cristo day. I, I believe I did. So when you got, like, a Tim pound of cheese. pants. <laughs> a pound of cheese sitting in my stomach. My biggest complaint about Monte Cristo is that I don't think the loop – or Monte Cristo. My biggest complaint about Incredicoaster <laughs> is that I don't think the loop belongs in that because that loop has a lot of negative Gs on it. And I just don't – that's that's what makes me sick if I'm going to, like, have an upset stomach for five minutes after that ride. Yeah. Um, so I only did it once, but, I mean – Well, you you went right from there to the uh, swinging cages on the uh, Ferris wheel, right? I haven't done those in a while. Oh, God. That is far <laughs> and away the scariest attraction in any Disney park ever. Yep. 
Without a doubt. And I don't really have a fear of heights. It's something wild. I like to bring people on it for the first time because they're like, oh, it's just a Ferris wheel. <laughs> it scares mm-hmm. the shit out of everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, emotional Whirlwind. That was your first time with that one, right? I did not go on Emotional Whirlwind or, oh. or Jesse's Critter Carousel. Oh. I'm sure that when I bring my girls that those are going to be in my future. I actually, I actually really liked Flix Flyers back in the day. So I, I will uh, – I will, without a doubt, be doing the uh, emotional whirlwind uh, when we go back out. I will say that aesthetically, A Bug's Land, while it didn't really belong in California Adventure, and I don't know that Avengers Campus does anymore, uh, there was a lot more interesting detail in A Bug's Land than there was in Avengers Campus. Um, Avengers Campus is small, and it's missing that big e-ticket that they announced nine times, but there wasn't a whole lot there. I did like Pim's Test Kitchen. Uh, I got the giant pretzel. I could not finish the giant pretzel. Uh, so I think it's a cool concept for a restaurant, but it's definitely missing that big e-ticket. So hopefully what they announced does bring that up a bit. Well, I, isn't didn't they announce they're doing the uh, Heimlich's Choo Choo Train as a Ant-Man attraction? Yeah, that, that'll work too. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it actually would work. That's the sad part. I saw something. I, th- I don't know if it was Ant Man or somebody else. Did you did you post this? And that's what I'm thinking of. Where they they just put some uh, Avengers face on the Heimlich Choo Choo train. <laughs> no, not me. But it's a great <laughs> idea. It was it was just a horrible. It was like it was wearing one of those cardboard masks. <laughs> <laughs> Look, just, Scott, it's candy corn. Uh, I mentioned cosplaying earlier, and how I got recognition from Fat Thor. All right, I was told I was worthy by Fat Thor. Um, I saw. A couple dressed. You were the as, you were the one dressed as the uh, a Dumbo attraction, right? I that was, was dressed you? as Tim's shorter brother. Actually, no, I was not the Dumbo attraction. <laughs> Don't tell <laughs> Marie. I brought the, I brought that woman home. Um, that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, no. There was a there was a couple that was dressed as the purple signs from Disney World, and they did a good job. They did like matching green shorts, like blank purple shirts, and like sandwich board signs over their front and back, uh, which I thought was pretty good. <laughs> but my, my favorite thing was seeing the people wearing the unfavorable attendance mixed t-shirts. Um, I got to look up where those are sold. I'm sure uh, Josh needs to get those on his uh, utilidors.net. But <laughs> did, you, uh, did you hear any stories about kids meeting Cinderella this year? I did not. No, uh, unfortunately. Next, to, next, move on, move on. To, uh, no, to, to the e-ticket listeners, <laughs> I don't want to end this. I don't want this show to end. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't have any heartfelt stories. Unfortunately, everybody was just pissed <laughs> off about about uh, Josh Tomorrow's presentation. So uh, I've been to these expos going back to 2011. I went. I, I didn't go to the first one, but I've been to every other one. And usually, the operations on Friday are a total cluster f, but. Friday was far and away the best day operationally of the three-day week where they had things more organized in their queuing areas than I had seen before. And uh, security was a breeze. Everything just worked smoothly. I had I had paid for the preferred pass. Uh, I paid Shock. extra for it. Shock. What did you say? Yeah. Shock. <laughs> so, so I tried to get it. And when, they, when these went on sale, they were gone instantly. So when I tried to get it in the virtual queue – it said there weren't they weren't available, and then I went to check out, and I had added just a regular pass, and they it had been upgraded to the preferred pass somehow. So I just clicked by and made sure that I got it. <laughs> so I paid a premium for it, 
And I'll tell you, I'm not sure that I go back to one of these expos without that because I definitely benefited from it. Uh, for that live action and animation panel, I walked into that with 10 minutes to go. No issues. I had better seats than Bob Chapek, Josh Tomorrow, and uh, Kevin Feige, who were sitting a few rows behind me. I, With the Marvel, Star Wars, and Avatar presentation, I was in line with less than an hour to go before that presentation. Same with the parks and no issues at all. So I, I welcome that. I recognize people can look at it as, all right, you're paying $300 for each of these presentations. At the same time, I also value my time, and that's more what it was about to me. So not necessarily saving the money on the presentation, but getting sleep and things of that nature. Because as I fast forward to Saturday, my friend Brad that I mentioned earlier, uh, he got in line for that Marvel, Star Wars, and Avatar presentation at 2.45 in the morning and did not get in. So... Mm. I have never missed that presentation before, uh, and I know that – I mean, that's a driver for why you fly out there. And if you don't get into that presentation, then you're pretty pissed. And the fact that they don't do some sort of satellite viewing of that presentation for any standby queue, uh, they have another massive venue. They, they The venue that that's held in is – I think they said 6,800 people. There's another one that probably can do 3,500 to 4,000, and you can have – a uh, uh, like a residual cue for that. So yeah. Um, well, anyway. at least at least the announcements in that presentation were as uh, almost as lackluster as the parks. So yeah, hey. they, there was a whole lot of nothing going on. Oh here. my god, all of them, all of them. But let's go but back hey. to Friday. So a couple of things on Friday. I learned while I was waiting to just get on the show floor that there was a virtual queue for shopping, and this uh, for anybody that wasn't paying attention to it. This worked well, except you needed two apps to do it. Jim and Len talked about this on their most recent show. You needed the Disneyland app and the D23 Expo app. And you would you would start what shop you wanted to be on at the D23 Expo app. It would bring you to a web link to open the Disneyland app. And then it would trigger a, a the virtual queue component of the Disneyland app. And I suspect the reason for this is that the Disneyland app has infrastructure that is far more robust than an app that was designed for three-day use. But that being said, it was clunky as hell and many people complained. I actually didn't have any issues with it, but it, it was not the most efficient way to do things. And uh, the the good thing, though, is that you didn't have people waiting four hours for, for shopping. Yeah, yeah. You're getting the, the the bad thing is you're getting the timing of these boarding groups relatively blind and your days are dictated by the panels. So you had like a one hour window for the virtual queue. And the good thing is if you screenshotted the fact that you were live and you could show that back at the um, entrance to the virtual queue, you were pretty much golden. Uh, I'm sure that there are people that were turned away, but I didn't have any issues myself. And in both cases, in, in one case, my virtual queue for Mickey's of Glendale came to be about an hour before the live action and animation Disney Studios presentation. And I knew that I was going to be tight from once you get into the virtual queue, you still have like a half an hour, 45 minute wait. So I knew that that was going to be tight, but I had, I was able to do both things. And then for the big shop that was on the floor, that came live for me right in the middle of that big Marvel presentation on Saturday. And in both cases, I was able to do everything that I wanted, but I wouldn't have been able to shop on Friday and go to that Disney studios presentation if I didn't have that preferred pass. So yeah. 
like that's that's where the stresses of these things just help and I, i'm okay with paying a little bit more for a special event like this i don't pay for the hotel rooms i don't well, I, I pay for the, i don't pay for disney hotel rooms um <laughs> but I, i'm okay with with paying for something like this if it means a hassle-free experience and that's kind of like the the universal approach when yeah. you look at what they do for express pass that yes it's a significant upcharge but if you're only there for a day then you can maximize that day with it well, so I, I i'm real appreciative of how smooth that shopping experiences was be because of you being able to get my pizza Rizzo shirt. Uh, yeah, I appreciate so, Thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, that, that's the other component here. So I looked online. I just did a search for Mickey's of Glendale on, on Twitter. And what came up was a selection of pizza Rizzo merchandise. And unbeknownst to me, this was not at that at the D23 Expo. This was at another <laughs> event. So I'm, I'm like psyching Ben up that I'm going to get him a present. <laughs> and I don't tell him what it is at first. And then when I realize, when I, once I'm in Mickey's of Glendale, I'm like, where the hell is a pizza Rizzo shit? There's no other person <laughs> on the planet that wants this other than Ben. Uh, and I, I don't know if Alicia Stella was out there. I think she's your other uh, yep. uh, fan of, of that. But they had other Muppet stuff. So I'm saying, it's got to be next to the Muppet stuff. Where the hell is it? So it must have been at another event. I think it mm. might have been at a Disney World event earlier on. Mm. Killing me, got, Smalls. Killing me, Smalls. I, I gave your daughter something, and I like her better than you, so it all <laughs> you, works out. <laughs> you definitely do. You definitely do. But I, I ended up not buying anything at the expo for myself. But there was something on this uh, uh, Friday. I wanted to hit up a pavilion called the Ravensburger uh, Pavilion. Uh, J- Josh just joined and, us. Let's start talking. Uh, the reason, Hello. the reason number ninety-eight, Josh shouldn't be on the show anymore, is because he smells weird. Yes, that's reason true. number nine, Josh shouldn't be on the show anymore, is his opinions suck. Reason number one hundred, he's hung up on horizons. I can't hear another horizon story. Reason number one hundred. Wait, wow. you said Josh. <laughs> Josh? Sorry, sorry to offend the Muppet guy, but the so- uh, rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> Damn it! Damn it! I thought we were pulling a Gary Hall here. Yeah, I could have the whole gang over. I so I, I packed up all of my stuff, so I'm in no position to actually podcast. But I, I tried to hobble together something so I could at least say hello. <laughs> we certainly appreciate that. <laughs> Thank How's you, Josh. Do you have? Are you living out of boxes right now? Pretty much. I mean, okay. Like my whole setup is it's just basically. What's your name? <laughs> Everything is a mess. <laughs> it's the story of my life right now. <laughs> Nothing is functional. Like all the pictures that are hanging on the wall are sitting here. My desk is pulled apart. Like just everything is a disaster. As somebody that moved within the last few years, the first thing I wanted to do once we moved into our new house was just start putting decorations up so that it starts to feel like home again. Because you're probably it. living with like bare walls and in like almost a sterile environment for a little while, right? I mean, I'm extremely minimalist, so a sterile environment is actually kind of what I strive for. <laughs> in fact, one of the first things I have to do in the new home is like depersonalize it so that it seems more like an insane, insane asylum than a home. But the gist is the same. It's just sort of the bias is reversed. Well, uh, Josh, since you're uh, gone, I was about to talk about trading card games. That's where the show has devolved <laughs> to in wow. the hour that you have been outside of the show. Well, it's save a good me, thing Josh, I came back when me. I did. 
Ben, ben is uh, uh, banging his head against the wall as I ramble on about <laughs> stuff that nobody gives a shit about. Oh, this is you that did this. I assume oh, that yeah, was yeah, Ben's yeah. work. No, so we can we can get back into. Are we it. talking there like was, Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom, or what? What are we? What not is? far from it. So okay. uh, there is a. They announced maybe a week or two ahead of the expo that Disney is entering in the arena of like Magic the Gathering and Pokemon uh, with a new a <laughs> new card pronunciation. game. <laughs> uh, with a new card game called Lorcana, and I'm probably butchering that pronunciation too. But well, you've there had was, sex, so you can't possibly pronounce it well, correctly. Well, you say that. Funny you say that. I am back into Magic the Gathering. Sorry, ladies, I'm taken. Oh, your high uh, is going to grow back. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but anyway, so I went over to check out this booth, and the, the name of the company is Ravensburger, which I believe also had a uh, restaurant announced for Downtown Disney during the Parks panel. But uh, they have they sell games, and they were selling these trading cards. Uh, that name is familiar to me for some reason. I think they do like they do other things other than like trading card games, but uh, they they handed out a Mickey card and they were selling six cards. I know why they do puzzles. They do do they do my, do puzzles. My, my wife is into puzzles, and I've bought a lot of expensive puzzles, and the Ravensburger ones are good. Okay, so Ex- uh, excellent the quality, excellent thickness. Okay. <laughs> Um, so they, anybody that visited the booth could get a, uh, like a promo Mickey card that was a D23 Expo exclusive. But if you wanted to pay 50 bucks, you could get six, uh, other cards. I think Cruella de Vil was one of them. I don't remember the other five. Pass. And they, they sold out of the 300 that they had in the first hour of day one, I asked. But I ended up getting two of like the freebie Mickey cards. Uh, I sold those two cards for $225 tonight. So uh, wow. I should have well, just stood outside if, the booth and collected them as people. If didn't anyone want them. is looking for evidence that insanity is real, then yeah. you now have it. So, and what I, I kind of I had some time with one of the people in the booth and just started asking them questions. I said Disney has tried their hand at this, and they do not put both feet forward in anything. They just hope that it catches fire, and that's pretty much it. And he's like, well, they've committed to four sets a year, which is roughly what like. Pokemon and Magic do. And I said, all right, for how many years? Like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Quite uh, the commitment. Uh, yeah, but I said, they've failed before. It's like, well, that was in the parks. Like, they failed outside of Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom in these attempts before well, as well. The so. interesting thing on these, though, the, the something the pandemic did was blow up the collector card market, uh, sports cards, Pokemon oh, 100%, 100%. Cards. People started pulling out their collections and grading their cards. Uh, whether people play this game or not, it has a collectability factor to it, uh, especially if they don't overprint the cards. Uh, I can see this becoming a very collectible deal. We might not hear anybody ever playing it. Po- right. Pokemon, I only know little kids that play it, but I know people my age who collect the cards, go buy the cards, hunt the cards, grade them, and never never touch them again. So, so it, let, you know, ser- di- serious question. Who yeah. Who is the winner in that scenario? Uh, who does that benefit? So, I mean, the, the collectible side of these things, I mean, that's you, – you just don't have that hobby mentality, Josh. Yeah. Uh, I, are you kidding me? I have $15,000 of the model trains here. I'm, a, I'm an okay, absolute collector in hobby. Yeah. Okay. It's a – I understand what Ben is saying though as well where the – you have the collector side of it and the playability side of it. There, The rules of this game as far as I know don't exist yet, at least not publicly. Yeah. So, that's, so, that's not a game. So that's a – that's right now, you rumor. have pieces of cardboard, and hey, I know Mickey Mouse. I know Cruella Deville. Uh, that's that's the effect. Of I it. know Professor Plum. 
And, and but, if these if these things do take off, though, it's a benefit to Disney, but it's also a benefit to the collector because there's people oh, making some mad money on Pokemon. I, I I collect sports cards still. I hunt my cards, I get them graded, and I profit mm-hmm. on a great deal of them. Uh, so if this if this ends up having any kind of legs, it's it's a win win for both, in my opinion, because there there is a especially if they keep the you know Pokemon cards at their core are still cheap so kids can still get these things kids can still play them the the catch is putting chase cards in them the limited print right, run right. But that, cards that, in them but that's what's not here what you're basically saying is that the entirety of this is going to be so rarefied that the vast majority of fans are not going to ever be involved in it at all now disney doesn't make any money because they sell it at a for a nominal profit, you have an ex- extremely small number of people who hoard these things, who won't sell them for a reasonable price, which makes it seem like they're valuable, but there's no volume of trading. So they're not actually worth anything. It's just a bunch of sycophants that won't part with their junk. So there's, I, I think the winner. People yeah. are speculating on it right now. That's exactly what's happening. And the person that yeah. I sold it to is somebody that I am in a, uh, a Facebook group online with uh, for, for magic cards. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's speculating on it. Yeah. A guy uh, sold his that he got for more than what I got for my, for my two. I basically just threw it out to that group and I said, I've got two of these. Uh, I think the last eBay sale that I saw was 150 bucks, And I said – Anybody gives me two hundred bucks for them, they're yours. And somebody offered me two fifty, and I said, "Let's just split the difference." I'm, I'm a great, I'm a shrewd negotiator. That's gonna say. Well, it sounds um, like you, you and the other guy both are. <laughs> but it was basically exactly, exactly. Uh, we negotiated away from each other's. Uh, he offered two hundred over. Uh, he offered fifty over asking, and you countered with fifty below asking. <laughs> we, sett- awesome. we settled for a hearty handshake. Is what wow. we did. I will. I will say. I think there's a lot more legs to this than them coming out with some kind of NFT version of. It that I think that's oh, 100%. That's, that's that a would thousand percent scam. I, I, I mean, in my again, in my world with sports, you know, you had NBA hut, uh, top shot a year and a half ago, these things were selling for thousands of thousands of dollars, and now you can't get two bucks for them, uh, because yeah. it's all digital. There, there was no, uh, there, there's no, uh, physical copy of it. That I don't, I don't know. It, the, the NFT version that everybody put so much effort into, and that was gonna be the next big deal fell flat super fast where I, I do think there is something to this. This is something that could take off and we could be talking about for a while. It very well could be. And I may have, you know, just sold two cars for 225 bucks instead. I've, but I've sold I'm a pack. All right. I, I want to pe- have a Marty called pool here. <laughs> yeah. I think that Tim just made the best business decision of his life by selling. I, I wouldn't go things. that far, but yes, it, I, I don't think I'm going to regret this decision. I, no. I sold a Patrick Mahomes rookie card for $700. He goes, wins the Super Bowl is selling for $4,000. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, happy well, with the 700 that I got because I got it out of a $20 pack. But, but well, you know, any collector is going to have those I, stories, Ben. Yeah. I, I'm going to tell you right now, Mickey doesn't have that kind of arm. <laughs> it's the it's the limited. It, it depends on how they roll the thing out. It's it's all in the quality, the quantity that they put out, the limited numbers, the short prints. So uh, I can speculate what they probably yeah. had for quantity. So I know for that quote-unquote limited edition set that was the D23 exclusive, the six cards that they sold for 50 bucks. Uh, first off, they're on eBay and for the thousands right now. I don't know yeah. if there's any completed sales, but they're on eBay right now. There was 900 of those. They gave out 300 a day, or they sold 300 a day. What is the most expensive Disney pin? Uh, I'm sure that it's in the hundreds. I've sold Disney pins for over $100. 
but it's, I mean, probably in but the, I mean, it's probably in the thousands then if I've sold them for a pin, if you're talking, I'm going to go ahead and agree with Ben on one thing, that the tangibility of it matters. Oh, it absolutely it, does. And a pin is a far more tangible thing than a card. It's more durable. It's, uh, you know, it's metal and not paper. And, and I mean, you don't see these things in the multiples of cars. There's no Maserati Disney pin. You know, there's I don't. Mil- there's million dollar Pokemon cards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but what I'm, what, the, I know that you're trying to create a counterpoint. What I'm saying that Disney <laughs> has no history Just to suggest that. that they are good at this. That's that's where I'm at. So I, yeah. I mean, you mentioned that Ravensburger uh, does good product, but I, what I fear is that Disney. Look, we're spending way too much time on something that I, <laughs> bar- I like. I shouldn't have even added to this. <laughs> But well, that I agree what, with. <laughs> what, you, you weren't on the show before, remember? Yeah, um, I came in fresh. <laughs> uh, by the way, we said that you were off at the all the new meet and greets that they announced during the park. <laughs> That's <spin>. true. <laughs> and the sing-alongs, too. Yeah. But if Ravensburger does produce good product, that at least is them recognizing that they've had failures in this arena before. But they are entering a very crowded arena and they are relying on their IP, which admittedly is quite good. Yeah. But when somebody, I overheard the conversation. So, are you going to be looking at Marvel? Are you going to be looking at Star Wars? Is it right now just classic Disney? So already, they're if they're creating a universe where these cards exist, and we don't know how to play the game, and whether the game itself is enjoyable. There are plenty of Disney trading cards that didn't have a corresponding game that have failed. So if the game is no good, that is also going to affect the price here. So, so just because something is limited edition doesn't guarantee of value. I, I so. want to circle back to something that you said. You had a Patrick Mahomes card, and then he went and won the Super Bowl. That's the real world. There's uncertainty there. You have... Mickey can players. win the Super Bowl. I've seen him in a football outfit. Yeah. You have That's what they call that, him, by the way, outfits. <laughs> you have players that come out of college. Like, look at Tim Tebow. The expectations was that he was going to set the world uh-huh. on fire, and it didn't happen. Yeah. And, you know, that, that amount of uncertainty, the fact that everyone, these rookie cards, mean nothing until these people establish themselves as being a big deal in you know at the highest level of the game. And no one knows that because it's real life. That doesn't apply in the world of fiction. So the analogy of these sorts of cards to sports-based cards doesn't really make any sense because the thing that creates the value is the accomplishment of goals that are non-deterministic. You in can't a, in just... In a game, yeah. though, Josh, in, in a game environment, the quality of the card also matters in terms of functionality within a game. And with if this, we're kind of doing this blind where you're buying, uh, in the case of the limited edition ones, you're buying six cards blind because you don't know the functionality of the game. Because didn't you just say the game doesn't actually exist, though? Correct. But that's not how Pokemon happened. I mean, the things that you're analogizing these two aren't aren't analogous because Pokemon was a game from day one. It wasn't so like the, the, this. This is a game that was announced for next year. Yeah. The rules have yet to be these released are the prototype to the public cards. Yet. Yeah. So uh, yeah, as, as like an example, bullshit. oh, like, and that's where I was happy to get $225 for them. Yeah. The, Hell yeah. The prototype cards of like Magic I'm, Gathering I'm going to go ahead and declare you the winner of this game. <laughs> as you an example, the grand of this there was a recent game. episode of Pawn Stars where we're going to get really deep into nerd culture here. People have, have tuned I'm out, a big but, fan of Pawn Stars. That's okay. So uh, there were some promo uh, uh, prototype cards 
uh, from Magic the Gathering that were like basically printed on pieces of paper, uh, like your uh, an eight by uh, eight and a half by eleven piece of paper that they cut up. It was that level of primitive nature of it, but they were verified as legit. And they passed on it on Pawn Stars, and later on. Outside of Pawn Stars, I had looked into what had actually happened, and these sold at auction for probably tenfold what the guy was asking for on Pawn Stars less Mm -hmm. than a year later. And these are all, you know, five-figure cards as promotional cards, and that's what people are hoping for. But to get to that point, that was probably recorded like 2020, 2021, mid-COVID, and Magic as a game had existed for 25 years at that point. So to get to that point where these where those not finished product promotional cards got to be five figure uh, items was twenty five years of lore and success of a game to get them to that point. So I, I mean, I guess my point is that what when I look at the Disney company, I don't see them as being capable of creating an environment where this could happen because what I picture, this is a cash grabbing company. Oh, 100%. So if the secondary market value of these things doesn't blow up, Disney right. will, they will exit so, this. Oh, and 100%. If, That's what I if, assume is going to happen. And if the market does blow up, they will print an infinite number of them so that they can make also money true. on the primary market. So <laughs> also true. With, with that sort of corporate culture, I don't know how you ever cultivate the environment in which the second, the second. This is sort of a complicated business concept, and I'm not. I'm. I've been drinking a lot, so I don't want to <laughs> even attempt to try and explain it. And I'm not sure that I even understand it that well anyway. But the best, the best analogy I can think of is the art market, mm-hmm. and. In my last year of law school, I took an art law class, and I don't remember the exact number, but I'm going to try and ballpark it here. It, the question the professor asked, and he was a very well-respected art lawyer, was how many artists sent in this century, or actually in the last hundred years, um, have had paintings that have sold in the secondary market for more than like $1,000? Or ten, maybe it was ten thousand dollars, but the number was it was like less than a hundred. It's like it's like a thousand is way too low a number for that second part to be. No, it it is an appallingly low number. But it's like you look at like the Kincaid galleries in the mall. You know, you could go spend three or four thousand dollars on a painting there, no problem. But the thing is, if you try and sell that to someone else, the market isn't actually there. Mm -hmm. So that that's what I look at here is like. It's one thing for people to get excited about this and be willing to pay a lot at D23, but in a couple of years, like, what is the actual value of these things going to be? To, to me, it seems very unlikely that that number is going to climb. I, I'm just going to say because I'm I'm in this market. This is this is something I collect. It's more on the sports side than anything, but I do collect. Uh, I respect you for being willing to admit that. Uh, here in Dallas, there's a place called Heritage Auctions. Yep. They are they are the biggest auction house. They are the ones that handle the largest sports memorabilia collections in the world. They're the ones that care uh, the, the the any guitar. They did the fifty two mantle recently. They did the fifty two mantle. They I any actually guitar. bought Will Chamberlain's jock strap from there. Yep. So I I know the I know the brain. <laughs> uh, my roommate from college uh, actually is one of the curators there. They okay. do not hold a single auction now that does not consist of uh, sports cards and. Pokemon cards like the the market there in these massive massive auctions is red hot right now the reason I'm saying this has a chance to work 
is because they are entering during a very hot time in this market. I can see these things hitting the shelf and gone. Like people stock stores. They wait for the vendors to get there to stock the shelves and they take the things before they ever hit the shelves. Disney has yep. that name and cachet that if this product is any good, any quality, it'll work. Case in point, Upper Deck is uh they were one of the largest sports member uh, sports card companies and and they lost all of their sports rights. Uh Fanatics has gone through and they've bought the rights to Major League Baseball, basketball, uh everything. So these companies like Tops and Upper Deck if they want to stay relevant in the card market, they've had to start going to Tops uh, was bought by Fanatics by absolutely. the way. And Michael Eisner, if you want a Disney tie, uh yep. was a uh, CEO or at least on the board of directions for Tops. Uh he was for, the CEO of Tops. Yeah, yeah. And uh all in and and Panini is the other big one that's based here out of Dallas and Tops is based here out of Dallas. Uh, Upper Deck is the only one that is still kind of going outside the the, the Fanatics realm. We will they, talk about the D23 Expo at some point. They have the rights right now to Marvel yep. and they just released the Marvel t- uh, Tops Metal Collection. Those things are gone. You can't get them. They don't hit the shelves at any stores. You can't get them online anywhere without paying four or five times the multiples of what the retail price is. So it's working right now with Marvel cards. This is their first Marvel set. It's blown up. They're going to do a ton more. It, this it, this has a chance to work just because this market is red hot right now. And if you know, you know the buying power Disney has with the name and the characters and if the quality is any good, it, this has a shot at working. There's FOMO going on right now. I'm going to end with this on on the Ravensburger booth because that was <laughs> certainly not why people tuned into the show. I promise you. <laughs> There's definitely FOMO going on here. And I think if I had jumped the gun and listed these on eBay even two days earlier, I probably would have made $100 more. But uh, that is a real thing. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, so in a day, the value dropped by 30%? I, I think that FOMO was at its peak during the expo itself. That's mm-hmm. what I would say. But I, I don't know where it would settle. We are two days removed from the expo as we're recording this. And that's where I've seen enough of what Ben has been talking about, especially in the trading card game, where like a premium version of a good card in Magic the Gathering uh, is at its peak basically within a day or two of the set being released. Um, and then that does not sound to me like a strong market. Well, what it is, Josh, is more accurately, you've got a it's it's a bell curve and then where you see the uh, the cream rise to the top is usually about 6 to 12 months after release of a product so you'll probably get a pretty good idea of what these mickey cards are worth after the product actually comes out uh, next year i think it's next fall is when the product is released so you've got to hold on the uh, hold on to these uh, promotional cards for a year basically before you have any true gauge as to what the premium might be. And that's something that this is a weird way to introduce it, as you said, that when Pokemon became a thing, when Magic became a thing, when any of these other things became a thing, there were no promotional cards released that far in front of a game without rules, without our understanding of whether or not it'd be desirable. Um, they should have just bought Hasbro. That would have been an easier approach, but uh, <laughs> that, w- that would be what Bob Iger would do. Um, he just buys the company that, has the thing that he wants. That's just easier. But anyway. Well, look, I think this is going to be fascinating to watch, and we will follow up with it. You're not going to care. I promise you. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I care because I'm going to be right. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I'm in agreement with you. That's why I sold the car. <laughs> so <laughs> All right. so uh, Ben's going to be wrong. <laughs> yes. I let's mean, fight. Let's I, I will battle say, him. 
I hope that I'm moderately wrong. I hope I, I don't hope that I'm like wildly wrong here. I hope that the guy that I sold it to uh, does well, but that I also capitalized on it. So, as well. so anyway. you're, you're you're talking to a guy who had a card shop back in the late '90s who sold first edition uh, series one uh, Pokemon packs, booster packs for like four dollars a pack. That yep. um, I could retire right now if i had those cases still today so if, if you think you got them, you'd probably retire right if, now. if you think you got low prices on uh on your promo cards just just be in my shoes for uh my yep. mistake 20 years ago <laughs> um i'm gonna move just, on to the other things that just i did because on that you sold low before doesn't mean that you're not buying <laughs> high now <laughs> i'm just saying any any collector is gonna have those types of stories uh fortunately or unfortunately but we uh, we have literally torn my parents house apart hoping to find one pack somewhere yeah, from when we yeah. closed the shop down. So I know a guy that had 50 Bitcoin and then accidentally formatted the hard drive that the wallet was on. And this was when they were worth like two cents a piece. And we're talking so, about things that are tangible here, Josh. We're not talking about fake things. Fake oh, money. Yeah. <laughs> Monopoly you need, money. You need to look up fiat currency after the show, buddy. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to the actual D23 Expo and talk about some of those things that are perhaps – why people are listening to the show. Uh, I went into the Parks Pavilion. First thing that I did, it is pr- it was pretty much exactly what I expected it to be. We talked boo predictions. Boo! That's <laughs> we, what you did, right? We predicted a handful of things. Um, I, I saw Chris Beatty in there. I did not speak to him this time. And uh, had I known what he was going to do and say on Sunday, I would have said something. But uh, we had said Epcot models would be on display. They had the model of Tafiti from Journey of Water. Uh, we had... Uh, uh, Poop and Walt, that statue was there. And uh, again, we said the exact same thing. We didn't have Zach Ridley's House of Floor samples. I didn't see him at all uh, all weekend, but um, there was a photo of him and Tony Baxter that was circulating on social media. But uh, they had a lot of the stuff on the projects overseas, a lot of ride vehicles, which was kind of interesting, where they had the maquettes for those ride vehicles. And their Indiana Jones ride vehicle that's going into Tokyo Disney Sea, I believe, was a 12. 12- uh, passenger vehicle. It looked like it had a finish of uh, like wood. Fr- it kind of reminded me of the Neverland from Hook, if you guys remember like that aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But a lot of cool ride vehicles that are going to Tokyo Disney Sea for their Fantasy Springs area. Um, and then they talked about the, D- the Disney cruise ships as well. But it was pretty much just smaller models and uh, then the Splash Mountain model, which we anticipated as well. So uh, no animatronics there. They did have uh, Tiana. That was the big, the big highlight for a lot of people that she was there, like on a balcony, waving to people periodically. But I only went to that Parks Pavilion once because I took my pictures and didn't really see much else of substance there that was going to change, and I don't think anything did. Um, the other thing, or one of the other things I did on Friday is I went to a Simpsons panel. Uh, with the Simpsons now in the fold. Uh, I hadn't been to one. They did one at the last expo, but it was, uh, I'm a, I've watched, I believe every Simpsons episode, but Matt Groening was on the panel. Al Jean was on the panel. Yardley Smith, who, uh, voices Lisa was the moderator. And this was opposite the legends panel. It was opposite a, uh, society of explorers and adventurers panel that, uh, uh, guy Selga told me was not very good. Um, so I'm glad I went to it. It was, it was fun. It was amusing. And the impression that I got from the panel was that everything that they do, the way that the writers uh, act in the room is if anything is kind of like a stretch, they go into their comic book guy voice. So they showed a 
uh, video, uh, I think it's actually on Disney Plus now, of Lisa becoming a princess, and then it's just interrupted by all the Disney villains. And so after it, I think Al Jean chimes in with, uh, not to comic book guy this, but Cruella de Vil does not have fire powers. She's not allowed to blast fire out of her hands. And they kind of did that a handful of times during the uh, the presentation. And I imagine that that's probably what the writer's room is, just a bunch of nerds acting like the comic book guy as they throw in pop culture references. So it was definitely entertaining to, uh, uh, to a little that. A little side note for any Simpsons fans, this uh, might pertain to you. The, on Hulu, there's yep. the uh, the new show Welcome to Wrexham, okay. which is the uh, show with Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney. They bought the soccer team oh, yeah, over yeah, in yeah. Wales. Uh, episode two or episode three, the very, very start of the episode uh, is them discussing the documentary that they're shooting about uh, uh, about their purchase of the team and building the team. And it, uh, the opening of the, that episode takes place on the 21st Century Fox lot. Okay. And uh, you get a you get a picture of the Simpsons sound stages, and this is where I would go work all the time and walk those streets, walk the sound stages, and uh, one of the coolest sound stages because of the art and the mural on the outside of it is the Simpsons building where oh, cool. they do everything for the Simpsons. So uh, something that many people have not seen. Uh, it's the only time I've ever remembered seeing it. Like I, like I was like taken back. It took me back so to my days going out that there. Or no? Nope. Uh, it's a closed lot. Uh, it's, oh. You got to know somebody to get on that lot and get to walk around. So that's why it's kind of cool to have those cameras and you get to see cool. some of that stuff. So uh, check that out on Hulu. Uh, we're advertising for uh, Hulu. We want to advertise for Amazon or any, well, any how other. We, how, are we gonna, how are we going to pay to go to D23 in two years? <laughs> we got to. I was using your Amazon money. I think exactly. in the. How long have we been doing the show? Three or four years? I think we've gotten less than $100 out of that Amazon affiliate link. <laughs> so uh, the other thing that was on that Friday. Still more valuable than those cards. Yeah. The other thing on that Friday was the Disney live action and animation panel. So it was just like the Disney Studios thing. So uh, one thing that they're doing that I like is that a lot of those uninspired live action remakes are now going to Disney plus because they're recognizing that there isn't as big a theatrical market for them as they had hoped. But I I believe little mermaid is going to theaters. They showed us a full sequence of part of your world with uh, Halle Bailey. Uh, Her voice is great. So that, that was for a lot of people, a highlight of that show. Personally, I wanted to see what Melissa McCarthy would look like as Ursula because I think she's funny. The Haunted Mansion movie. I'd rather uh, never, see Jenny McCarthy as her. <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, with the Haunted Mansion movie, I mean, on the heels of the last one, I don't know that anybody had high hopes for this one. I'll say the cast is a great cast. you got Danny DeVito in it. Uh, uh, you've got they, – they didn't say that Jared Leto is the Hatbox Ghost, but Jared Leto is the Hatbox Ghost. And during this presentation, this is the one that I walked into 10 minutes before it started because of my uh, uh, – Wayne's World backstage pass, and I was uh, three rows ahead of Kevin Feige, Josh Demaro, and Bob Chapek, and I didn't realize that Chapek was there because the crowd was forming around Feige and Demaro, and nobody wanted their picture taken with Chapek, but everybody wanted their pictures taken with uh, Feige and to a lesser extent Demaro. So uh, it was only uh, as they were walking out and ushered out by their handlers that uh, that I saw that Chapek was there. Uh, I didn't have anything uh, witty to to yell at him. But I, I did uh, yell at Chris Beatty later on. But the live action and animation panel, admittedly, it's not a lot of things that are going to be on my radar. 
But I will say the haunted mansion haunted mansion footage that they showed looked good. And if it's a Disney Plus thing, I'll definitely see it. I doubt I'd see it in theaters, but if it gets good reviews, then maybe I can be persuaded to go. But the, the thing I walked away from this panel is I really, 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 really hope Indiana Jones is good. So that's the next panel. That's Dang the one. It, next panel. Never mind. Next yeah. panel. So uh, <laughs> that. So moving on to the next day, Saturday. Uh, edit, I mentioned uh, this. Edit, edit point at nope, one nope, eighteen. Uh, take go back in at one eighteen fifty seven fifty eight one nineteen. Back in editing. I have no idea how this is going to go with Josh jumping in midstream. That could be <laughs> that could be fun. We could just have dead air as Josh comes in. Do you Whether, have your local going, Josh? I'm sure do. he doesn't. <laughs> you do. Oh wow. Okay, that'll help. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo, Josh. I, I was not expecting broadcaster. that. <laughs> I mean, your audio sounds like shit, but it usually does, so it's okay. Well, you know, my, ho- my whole world is packed into tiny little boxes. <laughs> uh, so Saturday, I'm going to uh, get through this. Saturday had some operational issues. I mentioned my, uh, my friend Brad was there at 2.45 in the morning for the panel of the weekend, which is the Star Wars Marvel Avatar panel. Uh, first off, they made it relatively clear that there was going to be o- no overnight queuing and people uh, couldn't get in line until 5, which just wasn't enforced. Um, so when they started to let people in through security, it became a clusterfuck. Uh, you had multiple security areas as well to get into the security envelope. And uh, by all accounts, it just wasn't handled well. Uh, I didn't have a chance to talk with Brad for the full details of it. But as far as he could tell, just in his area alone, that at least 150 people uh, that he knows that arrived after him got in ahead of him. And that was more than enough to make a difference between him getting into the panel and him not getting into the panel, which sucks. Um, So better organization there would absolutely help. But that being said, talking about the panel itself... Uh, Star Wars stuff is what it is. I'll watch Andor. I'll watch Ahsoka. I'll watch season three of The Mandalorian. And it was also pretty clear very quickly that they got behind schedule right away and that Kathleen Kennedy and Kevin Feige were in charge of trying to move things along. But the presentation ran an hour long. Um, For me, I don't know, Ben, did you have any Star Wars questions or were you more interested in the Marvel side of things? Uh, No, we we saw it. We saw what we thought we would saw. Yeah, what we saw, no, what we no real surprises there. <laughs> no, no. Which is disappointing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you... I, a little the, surprise, they didn't do anything for Book of Boba Fett Season 2, right? They did not, no. Because I so, thought that that show was... Is that getting a Season 2? That was one that a lot of people were wondering. And thinking that it might be announced here, if, if it were. Uh, the so guy next them, to me was adamant that they were going to do an actual movie that they were huh. announcing. But huh. uh, no, it's just Disney Plus shows. As they moved over to Marvel, they uh, I do recommend watching this online, although it, any version is going to be a, a blogger's probably cell phone video of it. But they did a live performance of Rogers the Musical, and that was great. Uh, uh, just from a production value, they had Mark Shaman in there to direct the, uh, the orchestra, if that name means anything to you guys. He wrote the song for, um, for Hawkeye. But he's a Tony winner uh, multiple times, if I'm not mistaken. And I did tweet earlier in the week that they should put Rogers the Musical in Hyperion Theater at California Adventure. Um, Josh, for reference, uh, in the Hawkeye series, there is a musical based on the Avengers that is deliberately bad in the context of the show. But it's just kind of a comical thing. And they did like the they performed the signature song from that movie 
on the Hawkeye series as well as in the theater. And, and it's it, just like overly cheesy and and it's a rip awesome. it's a it's a rip off of Hamilton. Yeah, it's, so it's, a, of it. it's the same font as Hamilton. It's the same uh, graphic for the logo, except instead yeah. of Hamilton, it says Rogers. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. like Mar- Marvel is like self aware that it's bad. It is deliberately bad. Yeah, uh, and I really wish they would like bust it out to like a thirty to forty minute show and put it in the Hyperion Theater at California Adventure because I would see that every day that I go there. They, so so on to Marvel though. Uh, they showed us some cool footage, but for me, this was kind of the start of the dick moves that they did. So, like, Friday, I wasn't really bothered by anything because the Parks Pavilion was exactly what I expected it to be. But one of the things that they did here, uh, I think people were anticipating, I know I was, a cast for Fantastic Four, which is coming out in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they called attention to the director in the crowd, and they said, that's all we're going to say. And that was it. And at that point, said, why even bother calling attention to the director? Because you got people excited in the room and you just you're you're raising expectations and immediately crushing them. What that also tells me is that John Krasinski is probably not going to be Mr. Fantastic. And I, I mean, I'm being speculative there, but if if he was already booked for that, why not announce it? So that's kind of my my thinking there that they probably have a cast, but they just didn't feel like announcing it yet. So. Other things in there, they showed us footage from Black Panther. I don't want to go, I don't want to spoil anything uh, for any of this stuff, but uh, what they, suffice it to say, there's a UN type meeting with Angela Bassett as the queen in it, and she seems to be called in for questioning on behalf of Wakanda and uh, about Wakanda sharing their resources. And uh, without ruining anything, let's just say she answered their question effectively. She comes off as a total badass. Uh, Quantumania and the Marvels looked very good. We saw some Secret Invasion footage, Daredevil footage from an upcoming She-Hulk episode, and it looks like they're going to have a lot of fun with the Matt Murdock character. But the surprising things were nothing from Phase 6, nothing from Blade, nothing from the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. And then that panel closed out with handing out 3D glasses, and they showed us like 10 plus minutes of Avatar. Uh, It looked great, but I'm not sure that I care. Uh, I don't know if you guys are uh, dying to see Avatar 2, but it like it aesthetically it looked great, as did the first one. But I'm not sure that it's something that I'm going to rush out to see. Certainly not opening weekend and certainly not without positive reviews that are going to get me to the theater. A bunch of nothing. I'm seeing a pattern here. Yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot of nothing there. So this, uh, can I chime in from something on sure. this panel? <clears throat> All right. just did. Uh, take two in <laughs> take two in three, two. And one. I was hoping uh, you'd jump in there. <laughs> so the thing that I really hope uh, comes true is I hope Indiana Jones is really good just for the sake of Harrison Ford. Uh, that was that was the thing that I took most out of that panel. His uh, emotional plea to the audience that they made a very human story. Uh, yeah. He seems to be very proud of this movie. He got I think emotional. He, he, he got, emotional. got emotional. It got it choked me up a little bit. That, uh, how emotional he got there, Co- especially coming off of uh, the the last one. I think he all he knew that they, <laughs> they had to all make emphasize. Up. This one's good. We promise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I did love his remark that this is the last one. He's not falling down for you and uh, for any of us anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and I found that funny. But uh, yeah, his, his he was so emotional with talking about this one. It wasn't. It wasn't just the corporate speak again, the, uh, oh, we made the best movie ever, and this is going to be so – like, he, it was genuinely heartfelt, and I felt for the guy, and I hope – I hope is really good, just just uh, so he can go out with a bang with that character, because you know they're going to screw it up after that. They're going to they're going to make 
animated movies and Disney Plus specials and blah, 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 whatever after it. But let's yeah, hope his yeah. last run as Indiana Jones is, is high quality because, uh, you know, those movies entertained the hell out of us uh, when we were kids. Let's hope so. A short round in it. So No, get inter- to that. You, you got to that. Funny you say that. Yeah. So <laughs> short round – it, like started acting again over the last few years. He was there for something else. I don't remember what the project was. Was he an Echo or something else? Something like yeah. So he he's in uh, he's in like a Marvel project. So they presumably had a reunion for the first time in a while. I think it said he, like thirty two years they hadn't seen yeah. each other. And so they saw each other backstage. They got a hug and it looks it's awesome. It's like fantastic yeah, picture. Yeah, it's cool. So the. Uh, this panel was supposed to end at noon, and then there was a, Mar- um, a Muppet Christmas Carol panel, one of my favorite uh, – probably my favorite Muppet movie, but just a, a grassy family uh, favorite. So and that was tr- – so, so, Ben, the Muppets are like – they're they're puppets, but they take on kind of a life of their own. I know you're not familiar with the franchise, yeah. <laughs> but it's okay. actually pretty compelling. All right. There's a, I should, there's I like check a, him out. a green frog. He's, uh, his name yeah. is Kermit. Are they uh, in the he's park? Kind of the le- he's a leader. His fingers smell anywhere? like pork. <laughs> Jerks. Jerks. <laughs> um, so this panel is supposed to start at one and I like I'm getting out of the movies panel at one. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to make it. And so I decided to go uh, satisfy my shopping virtual queue and I was in and out of there very quickly. I was expecting that to be a, like a 45 minute endeavor, but it wasn't. So I was like, uh, it's it's like 120 right now. Maybe I can catch the tail end of the Muppets panel. So I go over there and it started 15 minutes late. So I only missed the first few minutes of it. And it was a lot of fun. I'm really glad that I went over there. Uh, they did live performances of some of the songs at the end with uh, the the Muppeteers, which was pretty cool to see. Uh, but heard some stories. Uh, Brian Henson went way too inside baseball to the point where other members of the panel were giving him a big ration of crap because he's just going on about – he basically was the Tim Grassy of that panel where he was just droning on about stuff that nobody cared about. <laughs> but one of the things they were talking about was a song that was cut – from the original movie called When Love Is Gone. And I I was not aware that this was a big deal, but I guess during a test showing, the song was cut because three kids went to the bathroom during that during that song. Uh, and that's, I guess, the type of focus group things that you just let three random brats determine the, uh, the composition of your movie. So the agreement was that it wouldn't be part of the theatrical release, but it would be part of any... Um, VHS and future media release. And then the original footage of it was somehow lost in the Disney archives. And I guess during COVID, they had two people looking for the better part of the uh, COVID pandemic for that footage and didn't find the original. But they uncovered the uh, like three tiers down from the original, remastered it, and they're going to be adding it to Disney Plus soon. So it was it was interesting and it was it's a love song it's it's not going to be like a show stopping number but it was a nice sweet song and Jody Benson who voices uh, Ariel in the Little Mermaid came out and sang it and she uh, told a story about how they almost cut part of your world from Little Mermaid because a kid spilled his popcorn during a test screening so <laughs> I guess this type of bullshit happens all the time <laughs> where you know, like six year olds dictate how a movie plot is going to go. I mean, it's hard not to quote like Henry Ford, who said that if, if he listened to his customers, what he would have built was a faster horse. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, like most of the, I mean, Apple too. Steve Jobs was famous for saying that he never used focus groups because he, it's like his whole thing was like, we're the people that are supposed to know what's good. Right. Like, like the audience doesn't know what's good. We have to show them what's good. So I, 
that just seems stupid to me. Jody Benson's comment after all this was like, thank God that they didn't cut that song because without it, I wouldn't have had a career, which is 100% correct because that was like the signature song for Ariel. Yeah, I mean, if, if one person with IBS can dictate your entire exactly. business model, you have a fucking problem. <laughs> yeah, so it was a good panel to see. Uh, I'm sure there's footage of it online, especially um, the actual Muppet sequence at the end where they're performing and singing some of the songs from the movie. So I'm very glad I went to that one. Uh, I was in the very last row of that, too. Something weird. So this was in, like, the second largest room that they had for presentations and the Simpsons only filled up like 60 to 70% of the way. And perhaps it's because it was opposite the legends panel, but this one filled up and I wasn't expecting it to. So uh, I'm glad I got to see it. But uh, now on to the reason why you all called, why you all called Marty called. (laughs) Uh, One hour and 30 minutes into the show. Yeah, we're pretty deep. (laughs) Um, That's what she said. So, don't get me wrong here. There was some positives here, but it was a confusing presentation. You're wrong. <laughs> and, I mean, if you, if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, it could be that stuff hasn't been given the green light yet because their fiscal year starts October 1st. But if you're that close to it, then you can start announcing things. But they, they up, uh, an updated version of Happily Ever After is returning next year. I know many are happy about that. I like Happily Ever After more than Enchantment, but I don't think it's a hill I'm going to die on. There are others that absolutely hate Enchantment. Ben, where do you stand on that? I know you've seen them both. Uh, I love Happily Ever After. Okay. I think Enchantment So, I mean, that's, sucks. that's a positive thing, but it's like bringing back something that they, you could argue that they messed up. And same is absolutely true with Harmonious going away. They did not want to do this, but Harmonious did not test well. And the fact that it's not being reworked and they said it's an entirely new show tells me that the Thanos Q-ship is going away, and I wouldn't be surprised if those tacos are going away as well. Didn't he say something about uh, they introduced some new shows and, like, some were hits? Some were – he used some weird phrasing uh, before – he announced what was being that they were being replaced and things going. Yeah, in. It, it, to, was, it was. like he, he didn't trying to be it, subtle about it. But yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> like he did like the the trope where you just repeat what you said yeah. that was very scripted. Yeah, and just did it that way. But I mean, like replacing harmonious, hundred percent positive thing. But it's writing a wrong. Do we do we really give them a ton of credit for that? I mean, yes, I guess recognizing that this show was bad uh, is something, they, and, and willing to cut your losses on it. As you say, if they get rid of it in a certain time frame, are they allowed to write this thing off? Kind of like how Warner Brothers uh, just isn't releasing Batgirl and taking it as a uh, tax write-off. It depends what they actually do. So, like, get again, people go in here for tax advice. Um, <laughs> you are a tax looking, guy. We're getting ahead of us, uh, getting ahead of ourselves here. But like, if they redo Dinosaur to Zootopia, then it's going to be treated differently than if they were to like build a new Zootopia attraction from scratch by repurposing existing infrastructure. We'll see what they can say justifiably reuse as infrastructure. And that's where I think that like maybe they get rid of the Q ship, but they don't get rid of the tacos. That's what I'm I think. The ta- I think the tacos stay. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, so I mean, those, those are positive things, but keep, there's a, there's a trend with all the announcements. They're all entertainment based for the most part. They're not, they're not the uh, the operating budget of the parks. So uh, Disney Treasure, I like the name of the ship. 
somebody yelled out when he kept on talking about adventure adventure i knew it in anticipating that the name of the new ship was going to be called the disney adventure but they were wrong disney wonder going to australia is interesting and i'd love to see them do more asian inspired cruises um not inspired but uh, destinations uh, as well so i think i'm hoping that like tokyo and china are next but onto the park so that's that's what that's why you called so <laughs> this is where it kind of went south and by kind of, I mean, really, uh, they bring out John Favreau, who I recognized was there. He was he was in town for other presentations. But you bring him out to announce a meet and greet that they already announced. Why? Why bring out like one of the biggest names in Star Wars right now to announce a meet and greet? And then they double down. They bring out Kevin Feige, who is probably the most popular person in this company, to announce a ride that was previously announced in 2019, then again two days prior. Then they give a little bit more detail on the ride, but not enough to be meaningful. And then they also announce a temporary meet and greet as well. It just seems uh, like you're building up for disappointment in the room, in the moment. And the uh, the John Favreau part even seemed like they were building up to announce a ride. Hundred percent. Like, like, like the the 100%. way they were talking, I was like, "Oh, we are getting a third attraction." Like, like they're, they're what are we doing do here? This? Like, why is John Favreau yep. here? Oh, we're announcing the Mando meet and greet that they already announced. That only one coast is getting. Right. But they announced that. They announced yep. that as a blog post yep. already. Uh, and then <laughs> the uh, Avengers e-ticket, which has changed. So they showed a piece of concept art that shows perhaps uh, what the ride system is. Tra- Transformers Avengers? Yeah, Transformers Avengers. It's probably exactly what it is. Then they announce uh, pred- uh, Ben's prediction, a redo of the Pacific Wharf area of California Adventure to San Francisco. Which makes sense for the park. It's again, we're, since we're leaning into intellectual properties, you obviously have San Francisco ties to that movie, uh, but it's shops and restaurants and a Baymax meet and greet. So we've announced three meet and greets so far. They announced a bunch of restaurants going to downtown Disney, including Porto's. Uh, they gave us some pastries. Um, I think, I, did I already, did I say that on the show? I don't remember about Porto's. Did we talk about that on the show or was uh, that before think, the I show think then? That was, I think, it was before the show. Okay. Uh, apologies if I'm repeating myself, but as I walked back to my hotel after the presentation, uh, I didn't know that Porto's was a big thing, but uh, apparently in California it is because a total stranger came up to me on the street asking me where I got the Porto's uh, baked goods. So I, w- I was kidding. That was on the show. You just repeated okay, yourself. So I'll no edit again nope. in 10 minutes <laughs> and we'll just, we'll, we'll go into that. That'll be the show close as well. And so, as I, as I uh, left it, I, I, re- I did receive word that Kathleen Kennedy, Pete Docter, and James Cameron were disappointed that they didn't get to announce meet and greets as well. Uh, bring out all the top brass to announce the most minute of details. But, yeah, so I mentioned uh, Fantastic Four being the first, like, dick move that they did. Uh, the second one, this was, th- this was just like them showing off their balls, uh, that they just don't care about the fans. Josh Tomorrow comes out. He's, I mean, he's already out on stage. They have the Imagination Pavilion on the screen behind him, and he's talking about a character that has been missing for years. What is he talking about here? He's talking about Dreamfinder. Captain nope. EO. Nope. Figment meet and greet. What the hell? I actually, I deleted a tweet as he's starting to talk. It's like, he's going to announce Fig... I, I announced, I just said Imagination with two exclamation points. And like two minutes later, I delete the tweet. Like, oh my Fucking God. Like, really? That's what you did? You announced a I just wanna, read coming I just in wanna, a year. I want to point out that on the previous episode, 
when you asked what my expectations for D23 were, I yeah. said that it was going to be a combination of reannouncing things that they had announced previously yeah, and not you're 100, built. You're 100% right. I mean, this is so bad. Disney should stop doing D23 or start actually improving the quality of their parks because right. this is absolutely fatiguing to the point of being maddening at this point. They suck at this. When we get to the well, Blue Sky I, segment, I, that I, I is 100% say, I, exactly what you complain about. Yeah. I want to. I want to say Josh is like half right here though because he did say they would announce things that they've already announced, but he didn't mention that they were going to announce things that they're never, ever, ever, ever going to build. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> I did. Yeah, I we, literally we specifically about, like, said that they were going to make <laughs> announcements that were so vague. That and, is like, their that, model. Yeah, so, is reannouncing things that they've started and announcing things that they're never going to build. Okay. Like play it. Do the. <laughs> music and then replay me from the last episode. Kind of budget here, Josh. <laughs> hey, I, I want to. I do want to circle back on the couple Marvel things here in a minute. Um, but Saki style. The the figment <laughs> stuff. <laughs> this is where they show their ass a little bit. <laughs> I, I, this is like, where? <laughs> well, but jo- like Josh Demaro, this is where he shows like I'm a like he's Mister. I'm Disney. I'm a Disney fan. He's like a Disney fan from like the last ten years, maybe. Uh, because how is that he, being anything b- other than a prick? Like, yeah, <laughs> like even with the when it comes to the I meet agree. and greet, like what what do you remember about the Figment meet and greet when you were a kid? He was disproportionately large because they're not bringing back Dreamfinder and Figment; that, they're bringing okay. back giant Figment. That's that's what I'm saying. Though the one that we remember <laughs> yeah. was Dreamfinder with Figment in his hands. Yeah, are we not and doing it, scaling anymore? That no, thing, no. that thing blew my freaking mind when I was. You a got kid. Godzilla Figment is what's going to come back. That's and yeah. that's what you're getting back. So like even his false pandering wasn't the right kind of pandering. Like we don't want large Figment. We don't want that version of Figment. We right. want we want Dreamfinder holding the freaking Figment and and talking to us and moving. Here's Figment's the thing. Head. Like look, they don't look, even get this right. Listen. I'm the I'm the nonfiction guy, and even I understand that Figment without Dreamfinder doesn't make any sense. Yep. Figment was Dreamfinder's; it was an embodiment and a tangible form. Can we call of, him a little purple imagination. fucker at this point? He, it doesn't make any sense. If you, you can't have an imagination without a person, that's about, like it's just like they've completely fucked up the whole story. It's so stupid. Uh. How are they this bad at this? Yep. They announced just, the opening right, day for Tron it, Spring put, 2023, right, which is also hilarious. I accept. Put me in charge. I'm running the company now. <laughs> well, I, I I do love like when it goes back to even like the 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 Franken Hulk announcement. Yeah, and like you're gonna get the meet him what next week for like for two like, days for, for like, like two, two days, and, days. <laughs> and, and then he's never coming back out he's again. He's got places to go. So it screams I like hope the you guys are excited. Wally uh, things that they were teasing. It's like we have this tech to make giant robot arms. Meanwhile, over at Universal, they have a goddamn Transformer meeting people yeah. every day and interacting with guests. And and, and this Hulk did not look good. No. Uh, it, 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 I think it they did. hit a lot of stuff by putting him in the uh, the time travel outfit. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. just the way he walked and functioned and moved, no. Yeah. Not, not, not <laughs> realistic in the least bit. And whereas you did the perfect example right there of Megatron and yeah. Bumblebee and Optimus Prime, they are awesome. Right. Those are awesome meet and greets. Uh, look what they do with the Raptors. Those are awesome. This, mm-hmm. it's tall. That's it. It's there's nothing else awesome about it. It's pretty much you just described me. They've done they've done a pretty good uh, job with the characters in Avengers uh, Campus. They've done a good job with them, but like. 
these are blog posts. This shouldn't be yeah. part of the first announcement that you've had for the parks yeah. and resorts for three years. They're blog uh, posts. I want to hit back on the ride real quick because I know once we get into blue sky, we're not going to come back here. Uh, no, you're right. But I, I, <laughs> the, the one image that they showed of the ride, what what were your thoughts on that? Because to me, th- what what we were kind of told beforehand with the innovative ride concept was something, you know, the, the, especially the first – uh, image that they showed last time, like it, it had a guest strapped into a harness that was on their right. back, as if they're flying this around a a part ride. of the battle. Totally it's different. A to- ride. It, it is. They've gone from completely amazing, innovative, completely original, something we've never seen before, to probably a flatless ride, uh, a trackless ride system again. That's, That's what that guess, looked yeah. like. A trackless ride system. Honestly, maybe the scoop vehicles, as you said, like I don't even think I don't even think they'll do that. I don't think they'll do dinosaur level cars. I think these are trackless ride systems. And based on the characters and the amount of characters they're having in it, there's no way this isn't anything but screens. The, yeah, this honest, this honestly could be Ratatouille, and I'm not could joking. Be. It could, could be, be big screen, see a battle, go through a couple set pieces. Big screen, see a battle, go through a couple set pieces. Big screen, end of the ride. I mean, and we're, that we're would purely suck. speculating on this, but the idea here, like the ima- the imagination thing, was so immediately disheartening, and hundred percent clinches the fact that they just don't get it. Sometimes they fall ass backwards into a successful ride. I mean, Rise of the Resistance is a great example of that, but they they simply just don't understand why things work, and they're they're not learning the lessons from Imagineers past and not using today's technology to tell good stories in a ride. No. Uh, that's what it comes down to. So well, and, and the, I hope the cast you're wrong, of, Ben, but you very well may be right. The cast of characters they show on that thing has an animated Peter Parker. It has the animated What If Cap in Britain. Mm-hmm. It's animated. They're not making audio animatronics out of these things. They, 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 they This is – and the other thing I think is disappointing here is – they're purposely cramming every character they can into this ride from what it looks like, which means in a area that's a Marvel themed area, this is it. Yeah. I don't think they add anything else. Why would yeah, you done. add anything else? You've got your Guardians ride. You got your Spider-Man ride. You got your Doctor Strange meet and greet. You got your Ant-Man kitchen. And then every other character is gonna is in that yeah. ride. Go ride that ride. And then we're done. We're done. And that's their hope that like familiarity yep. is what's going to get people on that. Quality is ne- isn't Whereas necessarily relevant. Whereas it, it's the opposite of what I love. Like at Marvel Superhero Island, we have a mm-hmm. Doctor Doom ride where Doctor Doom has you as a it's a torture device. Yeah, pretty it's much. a standalone story. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a one thing based on one I mean, character with one purpose. That's still a carny ride, but yeah. It is, but the, the 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 thought and the idea behind like individual attractions, like I would love to have a Streets of New York ride where the Kingpin is the bad guy and Dare, yeah. Daredevil's go. You're helping Daredevil on. We're this best mission. friends, by the way, Vincent D'Onofrio and I. Oh, I know you guys are you. <laughs> Josh, you'll hear that story later. Uh, <laughs> uh, <Really? laughs> but, but you're not going to get any of that now. Everything's going to be in this one ride. We're done. It's it, it, it. I made the joke of Transformers. It's Transformers. Transformers has as many Transformers crammed into that one ride as they possibly can. Yeah. Uh, it's the best of, and then you're finished. So, so it, that, this was, that presentation, was real disappointing. That was real disappointing. Before we get into the Blue Sky segment, for, they announced opening dates for Tron, spring of 2023, which is hilarious. World Celebration and Journey of Water, late 2023. That's less of a surprise. Before we get into the Blue Sky segment, I think this presentation is received infinitely better by the fans, despite the Zootopia thing that I'm going to complain about momentarily. 
this is received infinitely better by the fans if they announce Imagination and they announce that the People Mover is coming back to Disneyland. Those two things make this a completely different presentation, and I think people were expecting those two things, and that's part of the reason that I, I admittedly was not expecting anything for Imagination, but the fact that he started talking about Imagination and then gave the dick punch right afterwards uh, was really what made that hurt even more. That's what the D in D23 stands for, <laughs> dick punch. <laughs> I mean, I had said that like anything less than a Dinoland redo and Imagination announcement would make this disappointing. They did announce a Dinoland redo. I don't, I'm not completely happy about it, but they announced it. And why don't we get into the Blue Sky segment now? So – they showed two pieces of vague concept art. They prefaced it by saying, this is blue sky. This is uh, something that we can get in trouble for showing people. Sorry. Um, get in trouble for showing people. And I mean, obviously, that's, so all, that's all BS. Uh, yep. I think they were looking at Bob Shapek, who was in the front row. And it's not like he's saying, you cut, cut it. Like, they know exactly what's going on. Um, and the reason why I know this is I looked at the press materials. And I don't know if uh, the press was supposed to have full access to this. But they had the bulk of the content ready to download by the press. But what they didn't have are these high-resolution pieces of concept art. And they would do that. Uh, in other D23 Expos, they did it with that first Epcot concept art in 2017. That concept art was never released anywhere other than in that presentation, which tells me that even if they do build these concepts, there's no way it's going to look anything like what they've shown us. And admittedly, I liked how that Moana stuff looked. I think that looked yeah. like a, a good... Uh, certainly going to have a lot of water, a lot of kinetic energy in that area. I don't think Moana is a bad fit for Disney's Animal Kingdom at all. Uh, so there's not a lot the, of animals. The big reveal is that the journey of water is going to have a lot of water. <laughs> no, no, this, this is more Moana stuff, but for the animal kingdom. Okay, oh, okay. One, okay. Qu one, one question for you there. I, I agree. I think that ride looks really cool. I made that call on our kind of predictions or build out podcast. I can't remember uh, yeah. about wanting a flume type ride at yeah. Avatar. So okay. this is great. I love it. What does Moana have to do with? Uh, I guess I'm going more. I'm going more the animal route. You're going nature, which yeah. she's going into Epcot because of nature. So because do we need they renamed her? part of Epcot, but like yeah, world, but world, world, nature, and the themes of the animal kingdom have parallels. There's that. That's just undeniable, right there. That those two, similar to how Epcot has concepts that would also fit in Tomorrowland in some universes, that with the world nature section of Epcot that they've that they've dubbed world nature. Like you could have living with the land in Animal Kingdom, and it wouldn't be out of place, right? Like it's it's not it's it's kind of how humans interact with the land, but yeah. I also think that it could fit in the Animal Kingdom. Uh, the original seas certainly could fit in the Animal Kingdom. So, but it the, definitely doesn't have anything to do with animals in this. The, 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 it's, I agree, but I mean, does Cali River Rapids have anything to do with animals? No, it's about nature and conservation. But you're so, you're, you're killing the uh, the the rainforest that the animals live in so kind of right but do you, you don't see any animals in the attraction so that you should tiger should jump out of the water at you so so to this point though like they full-on acknowledge that they've just conceded dinosaurs to universal and they they're so consumed with using their own intellectual property that the reason why they're why they're using their they didn't even know why they're using it anymore they're using it for familiarity kids know what dinosaurs are like, it doesn't necessarily have to be tied to Jurassic Park for a kid to see 
a T-Rex and be excited about it. But they feel that like it has to be, we don't have a dinosaur movie, so we can't do dinosaurs anymore. So I get the opposition to just removing Dinoland, which is effectively what they're going to do here if they move forward with this. But conceptually, I don't really have any issue with Moana being in there. Like it just in the park, I think you create a new land for the park with Moana and other similarly vibed nature-based IP that they have. I don't think that a flume with a height requirement is what the park needs, but I would welcome another Splash Mountain, of course. Um, the issue that I have is 100% with Zootopia. And I'm going to, rather than explain why myself, I'm going to read what Joe Rohde wrote. The animals are proxies for humans and human issues rather than animals in their own right facing animal-related issues. We try to enforce the, quote, no-pants rule. I also try to enforce that, but in a completely different way. And then he says, classic characters accepted. So that basically explains why Zootopia doesn't really fit there. And we all knew that this was coming in some way, shape, or form didn't know how they were going to do it. At the end of the presentation, I saw Chris Beatty, who was the Imagineer on screen. As I'm walking out, I just leaned in, got within a foot of his ear. He was in the middle of a conversation, and I just said, Zootopia doesn't belong in the animal kingdom, and kept walking. I didn't break stride. Look at the balls on you! I know, total total stones there. Bigger than Josh Tomorrow's for uh, announcing, announcing a figment meet and greet. He, he, whis- he whispered in the opposite direction, doesn't belong, and sprinted out the door. Yeah, like exactly. Coward. The the idea that I – I think the reason like – the only logical reason to show this stuff is that they're effectively focus grouping it to 6,800 people. That's the only thing that makes sense. So they're going to put it out there and – You should have the spilled reaction. your popcorn and you could have I know. I should have spilled my popcorn. That would have been the move. <laughs> Pissed your <laughs> pants and spill your popcorn. Ben, I think you, you are in favor of Zootopia. Is that correct? Not here. Yeah. Not here. I like dinosaur. I like that area. I like mm-hmm. Restaurantosaurus. I like that stretch. I don't like the the the, the other section of Dinorama. Dinorama. Yeah. Uh, but that section I like, and I like that attraction. I don't. I hate seeing it go. That that park doesn't need to lose capacity. It needs yeah. to add capacity. And so, getting rid of one of your major attractions for another major attraction doesn't make a lot of sense to me considering you're going to, have to take that attraction offline for a little while whereas you could build that somewhere else and keep dinosaur up and running uh because man that park's really going to suck when that section of the park's down here's for, my thinking. For construction i think they build moana it, like of anything that they announced in this blue sky section moana 100 percent has the likeliest scenario being built those two attractions because I, that yeah, area yeah. that area is the easiest to clear up they can clear that out in a week they got to yeah. get rid of a spinner and that's pretty much it because they've already done the legwork on Chester and Hester. So I think the the logical thing here is that Moana would happen first. And then, uh, like anything that Disney does, phase two would be Zootopia. Which, for people that don't want Zootopia in the Animal Kingdom, that is that should be fantastic news if, that's, if my speculation is true. Because they'd never build phase two. Um, so what you're going to likely have is a bit of a disjointed mess where you have like Moana, uh, next to Nemo, next to Dinosaur. And like, what do we call that land? I don't know. Um, but at least you wouldn't necessarily have Zootopia where it doesn't belong. So here's my call, my call on this. They shut that bridge off. Yep. They shut that walkway off from uh, Everest and okay. that whole, that whole area closes down, uh, for the rebuild. You can get I, I, to Dinosaur, though, without effect, without going through Dinorama, okay, so I but, think that's what they do. 
my my reasoning on this, if you remember from my trip report show, I I specifically called out that dinosaur is in such bad shape. That's fair. That's that fair. it ain't that they're not investing in it for a reason. And if you were going to keep That's that fair. on for a couple more years, you would fix what's broken in there. It's so bad right now. I I can't. You would be so disappointed going on that thing. It sucks. So bad, so many broken dinosaurs in it that they're broken still for a reason. And uh, I, I'm not saying this is going to get announced tomorrow by any means, but no. they're, they're, they're not putting money in that thing. And and this is the first kind of dangling the fish out there to, to get somebody to bite, get dangling the worm to get somebody to bite. And, and, and I don't know, the response seemed to be a little more tepid for the Zootopia portion as opposed to the Moana portion, at least on the stream. You might be able to speak different in, in the room. In the room, everybody was pleased with what was going on. Like the the immediate response was, people said that was an amazing presentation, and then they realized that, as you said, uh, a lot of sizzle, no steak. Well, I will say now, you know, even based off what Joe posted, um, and considering they didn't announce anything for like the animation courtyard, mm-hmm. like Zootopia fits better over there without a doubt. Yeah, probably. Like, like if you're if you're not going to do anything with that area, if you're not going to give us a Pixar area, you're not going to do monsters. You can make that Zootopia, and. Yeah, you could. And then it doesn't go against any of the premise of that park. The, the, they don't the, care the, anymore, though. That's they the don't. They, they don't. don't but that's why I'm saying, like, you could you could keep Dinosaur online at that point and go do something over in that park because it needs help. And, and build, if you really want to put Zootopia somewhere, put it over there. Uh, but I still go back. If you're going to force it into Animal Kingdom somewhere, it goes into Conservation Station, uh, Rafiki's Planet Watch area, and you keep Dinosaur. You you can't lose another ride like that just to get something else in there. That park needs more rides, and right now. We're only going to get one new ride. That's not it's enough. Not, like when Primeval World was open, that's a net of nothing because yep. if you're placing Dinosaur, a Spinner, and Primeval World, that's three rides, and you're getting three rides. So, and honestly, you could be losing uh, the theater in the wild. Yeah, you, probably. You're probably losing that for the show building, so you're probably losing two attractions. I would say uh, quickest that you would see Moana open would be 2026. Absolute quickest, you'd see that open. But but to that point, I do think Moana is more likely. I could also see them, especially on the Zootopia side of things, waiting for the Shanghai ride to open. And if people, uh, if that's well received, then you get the real world feedback of what a Zootopia ride can be. And they can dismiss the people like myself that do the drive-by, it doesn't belong in the Animal Kingdom narrative. But... I- I will say the Dr. Clawhauser and auto animatronic was quite impressive. Yeah, I mean they know how to make animatronics when they want to spend I, the money on them. I do say I do think it's quite funny though that the, that thing is so big that I, it's without gonna, doubt going to break at some point. Oh, 100%. And, and then you'll have the Yeti and a broken Clawhauser like within walking distance of each other and yeah. never getting fixed. So we have that to look forward to. That's something to look forward to, yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's go on to the other concept art. And I'm interested to hear what you think about it, Ben, the Beyond Big Thunder concept. What do you think of that? I think it looks amazing, and I think it'll probably end up next to Mary Poppins at some point. <laughs> Josh, did you see this concept art? I did not. Uh, we know that you're a big Parks fan, so you know why, <laughs> why would you look at these things? Um, I, I, I'm looking at it now. So uh, I, I, you're I probably looking looks- for context. Yeah. But- so I mean, I, it I looks, the exact it looks same like thing. a Rorschach test to me. Still, it's just well, that's exactly big. what it is. Yeah, so yeah, it is. Uh, so I said the, the concept of it exactly the same thing. Ben, I said it could be amazing. I think the likelihood of this happening is 
very low. But what it does tell me is that they are considering moving the rivers of America. Yep. As they should. And that, that in itself is interesting because it's something that we talked about with Tom Sawyer Island being on the chopping block, that there's such a big chunk of real estate there that if they can move that waterway somehow and get that real estate, that I love the idea of being able to get Thunder Mountain connected to either Fantasyland or Liberty Square because that is what is potentially on the table here with some things that thematically work. So I recognize that Coco based in Mexico and Encanto based in Colombia are not a continuation of Manifest Destiny as has been exhibited from Liberty Square into Frontierland. But we're already interrupting that with Tiana's Bayou Adventure. I think what this is possibly telling us is that they are looking at what to do with Frontierland once mm-hmm. Tiana's Bayou Adventure opens up. That, so, that, yep. So That's I what, sus- go ahead. As I say, it's what screamed to me that this yeah. is they're building new Frontierland so, so they can with change your idea, the current was, one. I think it was Ben. Yeah, it might it have been was. Josh, where you were talking about like lumping together pirates, Tiana's Bayou Adventure as like a mini New Orleans. That was square. Josh. That was Josh. Yep. Okay. I, I, I remember bringing up back during our Magic Kingdom build outs and looking at the Google Maps of it, uh, of talking about that area outside the berm behind Big Thunder. We talked about redoing something with Tom Sawyer Island, possibly. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of space outside the train tracks uh, oh, and, and behind space, yeah. the island that, that they definitely can do something back there. So I'm down for this idea. But that's it, the, when I saw this and, and being somebody who lives in. Texas and with them bringing Coco up first, you know, we, we're, we are the, we, there's still some Western influences down there and there's a lot of Spanish and, and Hispanic influences in a lot of that. There's Western Spanish heritage. influence in Frontierland right now. Yeah. And so it, it, to me, that's what came to me first is this is where Big Thunder is going to go out into that area. That's going to, this is going to be your new Frontierland. Mm-hmm. This is maybe going to give them that chance to d- redo some of what's currently there to theme it to that New Orleans style. Maybe you, you easily can make Pecos Bills a Tiana restaurant at this point yeah. and, and make a little mini New Orleans area without expensing uh, a, a full frontier themed area. And I think you, if you build, uh, you know, from assuming that waterways are going to move, that's the only way that this gets done or a bridge to uh, the Has area to. that Ben's talking yep. about. Yeah. Uh, something is going to happen with Tom Sawyer Island in some way, shape, or form, whether it just gets removed, whether they permanently dock the riverboat or remove it, all of that. Uh, if they move forward with any concept of this, that's what they're looking at. Yeah. Coco, is, anybody, it, if, if, is anybody sad if the riverboat gets docked and doesn't go anywhere again? It's six people. Coco looks to be a flight of passage ride, ride system if that's what they're going to do. I would imagine Encanto would probably be a trackless ride system or a walkthrough. But either way, just those two intellectual properties, I see that connection there. Yes, Coco, I believe, is one of the few things where we're saying it actually makes sense in Epcot. But I have zero objection to that as a continuation of a Frontierland theme. And whether Frontierland gets a rename, I don't really know or care. Um, Villains as a concept, and they didn't really show anything other than just say Villains is a long-time fan-requested area and is ripe for any sort of development that they could just... I just hope that they allow themselves plenty of room for expansion for something like that, but you have the Villains Mountain They already concept. got a parking section. That's not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will admit, when he said Villains at first, a part of me thought we were maybe getting a fifth gate. No, you didn't. 
Nope. A part of me absolutely thought they were going to announce something. Like we're after the figment uh, punched the balls. There's no way you thought because if you remember, if you I don't know if you looked in the group chat or I texted you too that like this sucks. Like they're they're more likely to demolish Epcot than they are to build a fifth game. (laughs) They've already started. I'm not saying to build. Have you seen the middle of it? I, I I am not saying to build a fifth gate. They need to fix the other ones first. But when he like fanboyed out to this part, he's like, you guys are always talking about the villains. Well, we've always talked about the villains in a fifth gate sense. Like he played yeah. into the, how we discuss it online. So then he throws that on there. Like it's, it's further out there. Um, my opinion between these three, the first two get built villains never comes around because they actually kind of threw out ideas and concepts mm-hmm. for those two, right? For, for Coco and Encanto. As if they're really thinking that this is this is one of those situations where we deliver two of the three, two of the three ain't bad uh, yeah. type deals. Except the third never, one is the biggest one. <laughs> it is, it is, and that's why we won't get it. <laughs> so the idea uh, that the guy that hosts DSNY newscast, Jack, that he put out there was you put the villains on the other no, side no, no, of no, the no, burn. Hold on, hold on, do it in his accent, please. I can't. You put it but outside he, the bum. I can't do it. <laughs> he, he put it, that's why I didn't do it. Uh, Disney here tells us we got it. <laughs> so you put it outside the berm and kind of have the narrative that they're not allowed inside the uh, uh, the footprint of the Magic Kingdom, which I thought was just, all right, that's an interesting story trope, but it's really a matter of where they're going to have space for it. But uh, the other that's, thing. That's for the handful of diehards who know what the berm is also. Yeah, the, that's, that's, the other that's a funny thing. That I saw on the heels of this, like, oh, great. Now the uh, the railroad is never coming back if they're going to do this because it's been closed for, what, two and a half years for Tron? So yep. if they're if they're doing anything around the railroad for this, there's no way the train is coming back either. But we, did, yeah. we didn't get the announcement, so you never know. You never know. You never know anything else on this presentation. And I know I say this, we've got a lot more for the show, unfortunately. But uh, anything uh, else on this presentation? I, I think we get this whole presentation again in two years. Yes. Okay. That, that's what yes. I think. Yes, you have figured it out. <laughs> yep, I have. And Tim's going to spend, it'll be $1,300 for the VIP pass this time to hear what he already heard t- this time. In two years, Tron will be two years from opening. <laughs> so that's the depressing part on this, is Disney has definitely gone to the point to where they don't really announce anything major except at D23. They, they, yeah. they So... These meet and greets. We didn't get anything major announced. Now, what makes us think? You know, you said like uh, the 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 fiscal year hasn't turned over, so they can't officially announce. True, maybe that's absolutely true. That means they're also going to keep it in their pocket for two years, and we're going to yeah. sit here going, "What's going on? What nothing's being built, nothing's breaking ground." They don't do anything unless they announce it at this thing first. So, right. which I think has put them in a really difficult situation. Uh, like well, they need, they need but, to break out of that mold. They need to get to the point to where we can wake up on a random Tuesday and news is dropped that something's coming. Uh, here's the like, problem like Universal with, does. Here's the problem with what you just said is the word need. As yep. long as their obsessed fans keep driving capacity through the roof, no matter how much they fail to deliver. Okay. It, it, it's not going it, to, it's just, the, it, this is basic supply and demand. The problem here are fans yep. that are not particular enough. They're just, being so, satisfied with with a failure to deliver on their promises, and <laughs> it's the best business I, problem in the. It's a fake problem. I agree it's with a you there. For us, it's not a problem I, for them. I agree with you there, but I know you've been busy moving the, these last little week. Did you look at the parks and, and what was going across social media over the last week and a half in Florida? 
No. The parks are dead. Okay. The parks are dead. The 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 uh there's videos of Cosmic Rewind where uh there's nobody in the queue. I did hear in, that. In the evening. Yeah. And that's not just there. That's every attraction. Nobody's in the parks. Are we at the point to where everybody got their fix over the summer? The parks were packed so. record revenue. And now the now the truth's starting to set in. It's like, holy crap, this is expensive. Like, we're I, not going. And I suspect this is- not. This is like the weather. It's like, you know, every time that it gets really hot, all the people that are, you know, so, pro-global okay. warming say this is proof. And then every time it snows yeah. really hard, all the people that are anti-global warming say, yes, this is proof. <laughs> it's like, no, this is just a fluctuation. This that's, the, you, that's cool. That's the weather. But there's also a hurricane coming down the street called Epic Universe. Yeah, that, they're building 13 attractions, and they haven't announced any of them, by the way. Meanwhile, yeah, Disney's like, throwing shit against the wall, no, the look, focus I'm, group in front of 6,800 people. I, I, I'm not arguing at all. No, you're I 100% think, behind that. You've said that. That's, you, this you, is you, like exactly what you complain yeah. about. No, Universal is annihilating Disney, 100%. Yeah. Like, I totally agree with that. I'm just saying I don't think that uh, – you, you can't take a few days of low attendance as evidence that – No, that's fair. That the consumers are, are – that you know, yes – there's a trailing – this is a trailing indicator. I think that the bad decisions Disney's making are going to take a while to show up. But, you know, you have a week of, of low attendance. You go, well, here's the proof. I think, well, you're probably a little well, premature. Universal's, you, have, you have four months of this, then we'll, we'll have a different conversation. During those during those week times, also, Universal's packed with Hollywood Horror Nights. Yeah. Uh, the parks were packed at Universal last week. So I know it's a small sample, but I, I seems, again, watch – That seems – Seems like you could reconcile those two things pretty easily, though. You, you can, but are they going to get caught with their pants down? Like they, they need to be Probably. moving forward yeah, so. now with these things. By the time they realize it's a problem, <laughs> they're screwed. You're and so slow you're in certainly, development. You are definitely not going to get an argument from me here and because when the funny thing is, is when when Epic Universe opens, guess what? They're going to be building the next Harry Potter expansion or whatever at the Studios Park. They're going to yeah. be building the next thing at Islands of Adventure. They're they're going to be working on their own competition themselves. They're realizing they got to build things at the other parks to go along with pulling. You know, not so not everybody just goes to Epic Universe. Right. They they have and, those pads ready. We're ready for those news to drop. It's it's amazing what they're doing. And Disney, this scared me. Uh, at this well, at at this here's announcement. Here's what would scare me if I were if I were someone who truly cared about the long term health of Disney. And their parks. If you're a college freshman right now and you are someone who's on a path to be an Imagineer and the tide swings to where the place to work is universal and not Disney, that is – Mm-hmm. That is like a generational problem. That's not a problem you fix in a few years. You hear you stories know? of like Disney, they have meetings in Universal, they build rides. Yeah. This is, you know, typical bureaucratic nonsense. I mean, th- that's the that's the whole concept of our show is this blue sky idea where we don't say no to anything. We're just like, if there were no constraints, what do you come up with? Right. Like Disney is a company of constraints. You could have the best idea in the world and it pro- you're, you're going to get some watered down committee, you know, focus group <laughs> modified version of it. it and it's going to take, you know, I think I made this joke on the show before. It's not really a joke. There was a, a, a topic, a, a top management team member at IBM that, went public with a statement that he made a comment in a meeting about how long it would take to get a product launched. Mm-hmm. And his boss told him that it, and it wasn't really a joke. It was like tongue in cheek, but it was also true that forget about the product. It will take us at least 18 months to approve the box that it would be shipped in. Yeah. yeah. 
and like it's hard not to think about Disney when you when you hear that. It's just everything takes so long, and Disney is all about the sizzle and and not at all about the steak. Like the way that you it's surprise an ocean liner. That's how they make decisions. It yeah, really exactly. is exactly. But Universal is delighting people by uh, by deliver. You know they're under promising and over delivering, and it's yeah. the opposite of what Disney's doing. And I'm sorry, but. You could, everybody screws up. You know, every company makes a mistake. Every company has flops. You can't look at a single failure and say this company's doomed. But when you're, when year after year after year, you're announcing stuff that you're not delivering on, either because you, the quality of what you make is low or you never actually build it, there just comes a time where, where those chickens are going to come home to roost. And, yeah. and for me, that's, I mean, I think anyone who's listened to me on podcasts for multiple years, you, you could kind of hear the sadness in my voice. It's just like, well, how long am I supposed to be excited about a company that doesn't deliver? And I, I, I'm, I still think it's worth talking about, and I still have nostalgic love for the place, and I still have a good time when I go there. But my days of believing that that place is going to surprise and delight me are, are gone. So, Ben, I think the strategy for us going forward from Marty Called is to not have Josh on the show at the beginning because he is at his most vocal when he comes into the show like half an hour into it. I think that's our our future approach to it. I'd be a lot more vocal, too, if I didn't have to sleep through the first half hour of your trip report. And I've got a lot more of that stuff coming up, too. We're not done with the show yet. I'm not not sure I'm at my best when I'm my most vocal, though. (laughs) Uh, somebody, I, I do want to point out we we we, men- good we mentioned good, good job, Tim. <laughs> we mentioned we were going to let Josh tomorrow uh, off the off the leash here. Uh, Go for uh, it. Bob Chapek delivered this presentation with the last two expos. Is that yeah. correct? Or, and while we didn't necessarily like the delivery, uh, he did announce a lot of stuff when he was in charge of that parts of the of the division. Or at least and, led to other people announcing it. I don't know that he himself announced it, but yes, I'm arguing semantics here. He uses the Tim Cook approach. He announces the people that do the announcing. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and the things that have opened technically opened under his watch. Like he was the yeah, one sure. that put these things into place into motion. This was Josh's first go around, and Josh is the darling. Everybody loves mm-hmm. Josh. 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 Well, Josh's first go around uh, as heads head of this division was. Like we've joked, but it was what four meet and greets, mm-hmm. w- one attraction uh, at Avengers Campus. Yeah, that uh, was previously announced twice. And yeah, exactly that re- the, that that attraction actually. And Bob, Bob kind of let us know that by letting that slip out on yeah, Friday. Bob actually announced that two times before yeah. Josh did. And that's kind of <laughs> like a reminder of like that's that's mine. That's mine. Uh, so basically, Diamaro is three sing-alongs away from being Ben's doppelganger. <laughs> Josh, yeah, pretty much. Everybody just needs to remember Josh announced nothing yeah. on this one. Josh announced a lot of Blue Sky. He, he uh, did announce Portos. He announced would Portos. You say that, how long until he starts getting photoshopped out of pictures? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, that's what, it's, first, you know that. It's a weird yeah. dynamic. You weren't here at the first, Josh. We said that, you know, he's better at delivering bad news. Like if if a lot of this news that Chapek <laughs> that, has been delivering over the years, incredibly valuable corporate skill. Honestly, if a lot of this stuff, Genie Plus, things like that, came from Josh, I think there'd be a lot less pushback because Bob is just so blunt with the way he delivers that message, and he he yeah. delivers it in a way of like we do we're doing this for money. Where like Josh Demaro has a way to like not come out that. Uh, Josh tomorrow uh, learned early on that you rep- you never say the word problem. You always say the word opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> but we, we it's, need, it's actually pretty effective. We need to take note that under his first D twenty three, his first big 
presentation like this, his first big chance to announce product, the, the first the first time that this division is under his specific leadership, we got nothing. So what does that mean moving forward? Is this the guy that we really want running <laughs> Disney at some point? Like, like a lot of people have clamored for this, uh, this, this was not his most shining moment. Uh, he was even clunky in the way the stuff was delivered. He wasn't yeah. incredibly smooth on stage. Uh, the stuff with Chris Beatty, uh, and, and what's the animator's name that was up there? She was Jennifer Lee. She's the head she of the was, animation department. She was terrible. She should never be in front of a live audience ever again. <laughs> when they came on stage, I tweeted out, "This better not be Zootopia." Like this is yep. just this is this is a bad sign. But so so I don't know, man. Uh, I I know he's got to do things that Bob wants to do, but at the same time, who the person that's head of this division has a lot of power, a lot of say, and has a they they put their stamps on the park. And uh, whether good or bad, and he has not given us anything to to start his reign uh, just no. yet. Well, I th- I think that what you just said is very poignant, and it also is similar to the point I was trying to make. Perhaps I didn't do it effectively, but like when you have a bad leader at the top, a, a lot of the the casualties the company's going to have are are the most important people in the organization, which are his direct reports right? You know, or her direct reports, you know, and I think we're going to see that. And that sort of brain drain that you can get, you know, if, if there's too many arrows in the back of the people that are directly under JPEG, where do you think they're going to end up? Yeah. You know, Josh tomorrow might have a bad day on stage at D23, but you, you bet your ass. If you're universal's top management team, you're looking at him going, is this guy poachable right now? Yeah. And you get, a, you get enough of those people and a lot of the really creative people that really do the amazing work who are people we've never heard of. All of a sudden they start going 12 miles down the road. And in five years, it's like, game over yeah you got a creative vacuum that just moves over there but exactly like at some point i i don't think that disney's at risk of not existing anymore you know at this phase i mean they have a lot of brand affinity and a lot of money king thanos to a ride that is on the table he could snap his fingers and (laughs) eliminate the company in its entirety (laughs) we've come full circle (laughs) (laughs) when does scott trowbridge go back if this is what he has to, to work with at disney when does he go back to universal I'm not sure what his portfolio is right now. I know it was Star Wars, but uh, John That's Favreau it. didn't announce it. Like he's got to develop that Mando meet and greet, but other than that, he's done. See what I what I don't know. Like I I I love business and I study it and I it, it, it intrigues me. But I think that something this hyper creative is is sort of unique. I I have to imagine there is a lot of back and forth with a lot of people. Like oh, I don't sure think you is. necessarily have that in like. You know, even at, if you look at companies like Apple, Universal and Amazon, is and Google, like, creative is like one one hundredth the size too, though. But you look at like a computer company, like they're way bigger in ter- like there's just way more electrical engineers or computer scientists than there are like Imagineers or the equivalent at any other company. You know, like where do these people go? You know, it's just it's fascinating to me. So a couple of things before we close out. One, I wanted to mention that we started a Facebook group chat for our show. Just let us know there is a thread on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash Marty called, I think is what the URL is. Uh, You could probably find it. Uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash Marty called. If you're interested in joining that chat, please do. Um, Just post in that thread and I will add you or Ben will add you. And Josh isn't in the chat, so it's just that much better. It's true. So if if you like the first half of this show, 
Yep. Go join the group chat. A, a lot of minutia <laughs> there. Uh, I almost missed my flight home. I had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine bullet points for discussing that story. Uh, I will spare you guys all. But uh, uh, suffice it to say, as I ran into the airport uh, from my gate, I hear the grassy final boarding call. So I didn't even get the full Timothy grassy. Um, <laughs> so that's how close I was to missing my flight. What would um, you say your pulse rate was at the end of that journey? Well, you have to recognize that I'm at least 50 pounds overweight and I was carrying a backpack with a lot of stuff in it. They thought I was <laughs> hyperventilating at the gate. No, no hyperbole. Like, Sir, calm down. Calm. Like, I'm fine. I'm just fat and old. <laughs> did they have the AED hooked up to you at any point? They did not. Uh, I, okay, did, uh, I did open up the, um, like the vinyl rope and like, sir, please don't do that. So I got, I got <laughs> reprimanded for that. But anyway, <laughs> the other big thing, uh, and I'm going to be blunt, part of this stems from the lack of announcements from the D23 Expo, but it's 100% something that I've been thinking about for a while, that uh, within the next month, I will be shutting down WDW theme parks. Uh, I yes. started I started the project in 2010 with uh, Robert LaRoche. He did a full custom build for the back end of the site. And when I tell you that uh, his initial build was ro- robust, I really mean it. it was, I think I've always thought your back end was robust, just for I the know, I, I get that a lot. But uh, the site launched in 2013, which is still a quicker build than Tron, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Rob did an incredible job in absence of better tools that are now available like WordPress. Uh, but everything was interconnected on the front end and back end. And admittedly, we didn't really take full advantage, advantage of the functionality. I think WordPress was available to if, No, but like, to, the, to the capacity that we created a web uh, on the back end of it. Anyway, uh, for the last several years – Another guy, Jonathan Heigl, has been instrumental to keeping things running, especially when I screw something up, which happens quite a bit. Uh, the entire site redesign that we did years ago was done by a woman named Linda Nell. Uh, the logo for the site was designed by Jules Hall, and she did a great job. Honestly, it might be my favorite part of the site. The idea of the site was to be a repository for information. Didn't I, didn't, I help make the blue line that goes underneath the logo? Maybe. I, I could have sworn I... But I, I'm going to give Jules credit because I, I, like, I like her better than you, let's be well, honest. Well, I like her better than me, too. <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure I had I had one Photoshop file on that website, I'm pretty you sure. Might, you might. <laughs> hey, hey, before you before you close this down, you sure you don't want to sell it to the guy that bought Inside the Magic from Ricky Brigani? It's on the That's table if point. he wants... And, and I'll, I'll be, If anybody wants to offer me uh, you know, money for the site, I will listen. Uh, gmail.com but uh, I didn't want opinion. I, mean, on the I, site. Would, I would I would do anything for that website to become the biggest trash news site in oh, the world. Somebody, <laughs> somebody buy it; it just makes Inside the Magic look like uh, the the uh, you know BBC or something like that. No, yeah, we'll I give got us it. Another show topic, though. You sell the uh, domain name to Spirit Halloween. I feel like they they move into all <laughs> sorts of abandoned idea. spaces. Uh, Josh, you want to mock up on my site? Give me a Spirit Halloween graphic over the WWE theme parks logo, and I'll put that up for my announcement of this tomorrow. I'm not even joking when I tell you that I'm on it. Okay. <laughs> the idea of the site was to be a repository for information. I didn't want opinion on the site. I'd like to think that I held true to that. I also wanted a means of like tracking the source of rumors, and I think that more than anything was what people liked about it. Um, but the reality is life with two little girls combined with decreased satisfaction with the parks, as I just said, uh, meant that I don't know that I had the time or willingness to devote to it. Uh, it was a minute niche. And really, does anybody really care about the 500th person to report the same piece of information? As Can we just what- comfort our listeners by telling them that, that notwithstanding the fact that we're somewhat disappointed with the direction of the parks, that it's our intention to keep bringing you this nonsense every, every so often? As for the future of Marty Called, I view the two <laughs> things as completely independent. 
WWE theme parks was primarily a solo project, at least from the content standpoint. And this is a circle jerk. <laughs> Marty called is far more of a creative outlet for us, and it's something I'm doing with friends. Uh, and also friends. Other than editing. Us? Uh, also, I, I, I was talking about Gary, actually, when we started. Um, hey. Also, other than editing, it's substantially lighter lifting, and I was expecting this to be a a, a much easier edit with two people. I have no <laughs> idea what this is going to look like with Josh coming in half an hour in. That could be a total cluster F, and our but audio could be wildly. How proud, up. how proud are you for me of me for starting my local though? <laughs> I, I am I am proud of you for that, uh, <laughs> uh, Tim. I do I do want to say to our audience uh, because I t- I told you this separately, but I do appreciate how you tricked your wife into letting you go to D23 for the website one last time and then coming home and immediately closing down the website. It's a business that's, expense. That's baller right I'm there, man. I of the same thing. Yep, 100%. <laughs> Honey, I gotta go for work. I, I, I predict that last year is gonna be a big loss. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> the, uh, the site hosting does expire in October, so that was kind of the timing for the decision, but I had said to uh, to Josh and Ben, I think at the, uh, after we recorded last uh, last episode, I said, this is what I'm thinking about. And I mean, I don't know. I'll be blunt. I don't know if, if they announced like nine things for the parks, I probably would have still made the same decision. But this did not help. Um, I just it was something that it's not worth the effort. I'm not getting the traffic. I can't compete with people that have a full team and are, are local uh, on a news standpoint, and there isn't enough of a demand to see rumor trackers for rumors that don't exist. So uh, all of that combined, but I've had a lot of fun doing it. I'm going to save the uh, uh, the back end, the information somewhere. So I'll at least have that as a source for my own personal you use. Should, but You should try fake rumors before you completely quit. I could do That's that. That's actually not a bad just idea. Start, just start changing it into uh, uh, fake rumors. That's not <laughs> a bad idea. You had all the correct content and all the wrong headlines. Uh, that's 100% true. <laughs> I'm just, what I'm going to do, though, is my fake rumors are just going to be the shit that I want, and it's all going to be Monte Cristo-based is pretty much what it's going to be. <laughs> oh, my God. That's actually a great idea. <laughs> it's like the onion, but that's actually – all right, the wheels are turning. No, no idea. We're gonna, we're gonna properly, we're gonna incorrectly source uh, the rumors that we want, and the it's Babylon gonna be like a bunch, It'll be just a, we gotta create a bunch of fake Twitter accounts. That's the way to do it. <laughs> exactly. All it's right, all so, about lying. Um, that is, that is gonna wrap this up. Uh, if you have any questions or topic ideas, you can email us at martycalled at gmail You can also follow us on Twitter under the username at martycalled, or join in on the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash martycalled. Uh, and that's where you can find the thread where you can be added to our chat. Uh, Ben, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at backside underscore water, and you can find all my uh, new articles on my brand new website at www.themeparks.com. <laughs> you motherfucker, you stole my joke. it's <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, because, uh, because you weren't planning on being on the show, I don't have the actual line of dialogue in my uh, show notes that says, Josh, where can we find you online? You're, so jo- I don't even jo- have to ask the question. That Josh, your, your, your website... <laughs> Your website, though, is at www.themeparks.com with two O's. <laughs> it's true. It's actually spirithalloween.com forward slash Disney. Dot com. <laughs> Dot com. <laughs> okay, you're going to have to be careful about spelling that or you're going to end up at the wrong website. It's an O with an E not over it. <laughs> all right, just, oh. For all you children out there, don't uh, go there. <laughs> the next couple of weeks, you can find me, www.themeparks.com or at www.themeparks on Twitter. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs> How long until GoDaddy tries to hawk Tim's website? <laughs>
Com. I might have to buy it. What, what would be the funniest place to redirect Kim's website to? <laughs> Inside the magic, probably. Only no, fans. Yeah. What, what is the Yankees website? Probably, <laughs> yeah. probably Yankees.com. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> they got, er- got in early on buying that domain name. So I didn't I didn't do it there. Uh, I booked this trip using Amex points, uh, using Amex travel. And as many of you know, I'm self-employed. So I took over the family business. It was it was a coup taking over for my father. Uh, and for a while, my father was a primary on the corporate card. And years ago, I looked at the finances and realized that we didn't need to have the Amex platinum. That wasn't worth the fees based on our usage. So we switched to the Amex gold. And again, that wasn't worth the fees. So we switched again to the blue basic, which doesn't have any fees. And when we did that, I asked to be made the primary on the account. And they said we had to wait six months. We should have pushed it further because that just simply wasn't true. But uh when we when we tried to switch it so that I was the primary, they're like, no, you just need to get a new card. And we just said, all right, screw it. It's the middle of tax season. I don't want to do that. So fast forward to a few months ago, and the easiest thing for us to do is create an entirely new account with me as the primary and then spend down the points. So I spent down some of the points for the flight, and some of that was just used to pay down the balance on the old account. And that story was brought to you by Derek Bergen. <laughs>